for another episode of the Process Podcast, where we look at the intersection between creativity and entrepreneurship, and where we take you behind the veil and beyond the pale. So today we're here with hip-hop artist and OG Steven Santiago, otherwise known as what? Lost Soul. Lost Soul. What up? What up? What up? What's good? What's good? All right, Steve, um, you have an extremely lengthy and personal relationship with hip-hop. Yeah. With rap, musically, inspirationally, um, business-wise, you've toured for like many years. You've you've been with many like influential acts. Why don't you just take some time and as much time as you want and break down who it is to be Steven Santiago, who it is to be Lost Soul, and like your journey from like high school up to this moment. Boom. All right. Um. I'm going to say back in the 80s is where it definitely started. By then, hip-hop was just a baby. Um, so were you? Yeah, Me? so was I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, kids, man. I mean, um, it basically started pretty much during that golden era, that first generation. You know, it was... Um, and, and, my, and when you say that first generation, right, because a lot of folks, you know, a lot of the young kids there listening to hip-hop, they're probably thinking about, you know, for them, the first generation, Lil Wayne. And I can't even begin to go and Drake and, and all the rest of these guys who came along and, you know, I, I mean, say what you will, they're performers and they're successful. Why don't you tell us, what do you mean by that generation? I came up in the era... When Bambada was still running the show, um, when Bambada was, you know, had Zulu Nation out there doing the parties, the shows, the, the, the benefits, you know, they were out there among the people, doing for the people, um, food drives, you name it. I, I came from that, you know, it's like I came from that generation, um, Years and years, like, like we're, we're going back like 25, 26, 27 years before the Waynes, the Drakes, and all of them, you know. Um, we're going back to where the rap game, not hip-hop, but the rap game, because there's a difference. People say hip-hop is dead. Hip-hop is not dead. The rap game is on, is on life support, but hip-hop is a culture. The other elements of it, the breaking, the, 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 the graffiti... The, the DJing, that's still there. You know, you still have people who DJ with turntables. You still have people who DJ with, you know, even though they're using the Serratos and, 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 the, and, the, and the MacBooks and, and the computers and all that, you know, that, that in itself just, you know, it evolved from the turntable to the computer, but it's still there. So, the wait, let's take, take us back a, a bit, right? Like, you know, it's 1986. Right, 86. You're, uh, 86. You're in Park Slope, Brooklyn. And it's not like Park Slope that we know Park Slope now, right? No, nah, Park Slope was different back then. Park Slope literally was divided. One avenue divided the good part from the bad part. And literally, what? one avenue. Okay. And um, I remember, you know, my dad getting an apartment before the nice spot was the nice spot. You know, he's been there 43, 44 years. He's still there. He's seen everything happen. We saw everything change. 
Okay. You know, I had the best of both worlds. I can go up the block and be among the brothers on Eastern Parkway and still get that love and respect the same way I can walk down the block and, and you know, you had certain types that didn't feel me, but then if you go work further south, I was among my own again. So, it's, it's 1986. Park Slope is a very different place. Was playing in your boombox, and I said boombox. I didn't say uh, '86 was babe, '86 was Eric B and Rakim right there. That was uh, Eric B as president. That was the summer. That was the summer when when I was beat. You know, everything was 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 beatboxing, and you know, I was. That's where that's where a lot of it started for me. Me personal, my personal journey really started around '86, '85, um, '86. It was basically. I was already break dancing. Um, Everybody was. You know. You had the brown paper bag in your hand? I had the brown paper bag. I had the cardboard. I went around from school to school as part of a, you know, part of a break dancing crew. What was your move? You know. What was your, what was your signature move? Windmill. Windmill? Windmill. Because a lot of people, they didn't see it. They, they were dumbfounded when they see a chubby kid doing a windmill like that. They're like, but how the hell he's so big? And I would still do it. You see, I, my move was the windmill. But also, I was the worm. The worm was cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the worm, I did the worm, but that windmill was my thing right there. And then, you know, um, you know, locking with the wave going up and down the arm and then using the other hand to to, to bring it back, you know. um, But beatboxing is basically where where it started for me after, you know, after the dancing, everything, you know, I started beatboxing and then. I will go around from from different parts of the slope and, and, and the heights and ba- battle other people, battle other kids and beatboxing. I was nice with it. I did the sucker MC beatbox. I had a reggae beatbox. I had my own shit. It was, you know, like different beats I would do. I would like hear a beat and then try to copy it. And I, you know, I would literally beatbox with like when rappers had will battle each other. Or not even battle each other. We're either battling each other or just rhyming to rhyme in a cipher. Back in those early days, nine times out of ten, I was the one supplying the beat. You know, they already knew. They was like, yo, him, you, come. And then before before I was even given a name, you know, they would be like, yo, Beatmaster. And I'm like, oh, oh, word, Beatmaster. And that, so that, that was your name? They, they called me Beatmaster. Beatmaster. Yeah, back it was the, there was a school that I went to... Um, IS-88 Annex. And I was in the main building. I was in the annex with all the crazy kids. And now you know it's funny, right? And that's where that's where they started calling me Beatmaster. I live across the street from 88 now. Now? Wow. It's how, funny how things change and they just evolve. Yeah, it, it, was, it was crazy. Right? I remember you from Lincoln and Underhill. That was Crack Ave right there. <laughs> it was, that was Crack Ave. You, you had Crack Ave you know, on Underhill, then you had Washington, and then you had... Class in Franklin, which was like we capital of the universe, you know. I and then mean, and, and Lincoln between Underhill and Washington, you know, if you remember from the Daily News, that became the Wild Wild West. Yeah, because it was always jumping on. Yeah, so it was always, always happening, yeah. and it was every day there was a that was Cybertron. That Lincoln and St. John's was 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 what I call Cybertron because you had the back guys. then you had the, you didn't have the deep sets the Decepticons in that part of, the, of, of Brooklyn you had the Autobots that were in that part of Brooklyn and that headquarters was Lincoln St. John's Underhill and Washington you know though that whole four square right there that was it that you know and there was like 
between fighting deep sets on the on the on the three train coming home from school or low lives or, you know, or, or any other little oh, miniature crew. Oh, you brought that back. I, I hadn't thought of low lives in a minute. I remember one time Eastern Parkway. I think it was like '89. You had like you know little something jump off right on the corner at the end of the parade. A little something jump off on the corner of Eastern Parkway. And, um, was the West Indian Day Parade? And under, yeah, the West Indian yeah, Day Parade. Always jumping up. So I remember one time, I think it was like 89, when the low lives and the Autobots, they just clashed right down the corner. And then it, it, it literally spread to Lincoln. And once it spread to Lincoln, you had literally people jumping out the fire escapes and, crawl, and, and running out their buildings on Lincoln, coming to... The Ave because it was just we just outnumbered them and they came was, they came was, home it was it was yeah it was the Wild Wild West I remember it was that. definitely crazy times man and had some crazy interesting characters going out there so I mean <clears throat> you're shaped from that time you're shaped from that era yeah right? so you, you know you listen to Arab yeah it was everything you know, yeah, yeah. Like I remember eighty six yeah. Right. So you got Arab beef for for president. Yeah. Right. And back then, you look back at it now, and it's like ah, I don't know. But but back then, it came off. Of, it, that was hardcore, right? Back that then, was, that, that, that back was then, hard, rock, hard. Back then, rock him over any beat was considered hardcore. Right. No. Rock right, him. Right. Rock him was like. But just hard. Like rock him was like our hero. There, there was no. There was no. Like the B boys were rocking, rock him, mm-hmm. starting shit basically, yeah. and then and then it grabbed it and then it, uh, it went from. Rakim to and it's interesting now because back then Rakim you know they were Rakim Allah yeah. right and, and and he would represent you the know five percenters yeah even and, people who weren't five percenters were, were were just digging the music they didn't even care what he was saying they was like yo this dude is nice and then B boys went from Rakim who you know was hard but definitely was preach was definitely preaching the message to NWA. And NWA became sort of like the image of like West Coast West Coast rap. That was like eighty seven. That that jumped off. I remember it was like the summer of eighty seven going into eighty eight, and right there you had a different sound. Is what what people what kids don't understand. All this jumped off before any internet. There wasn't YouTube. There wasn't Facebook. There wasn't Instagram. Everything was word of mouth. And, that, and and it was it was like fire. Yeah, and, and it spread. Was organic. Yeah, there was no yeah. marketing. Mm-hmm. It was like, yo, you gotta hear this. You gotta guy. hear this. And it was mixtapes, and there was people like handing you a cassette tape, or you are you waiting on the radio for like an hour trying Just to catch one that. song. Wow. Yeah, back then hip hop wasn't on the radio twenty four seven. Hip hop wasn't on the radio. Yeah, the only time you heard it on the radio was Friday night, Saturday night, eight. Not even 9 p.m. to 12 p.m. on Kiss and BLS. And we you had BJ Ralph McDonald. And you had Ralph McDonald. So you had the radio by the TV, and you, pre- and you had your fingers on play and a red button record, mm-hmm. and as soon as your video came on, click. Click. Yeah, that's how that's how it spread. People had tapes, v- VCR tapes full of videos from Video Music Box. And Video Music Box had been out there before BET, before MTV. They wouldn't even show a black artist, unless it was Michael Jackson or Prince. Yep. That, was, had, that was it. I mean, they, those were the only two dudes who got passes on MTV. You know, BET wasn't even in existence yet. You know? And well, BET, well, let's just say BET is BET. Yeah, exactly. We'll be that. So, all right, I mean, I, I, it's interesting because I want to see, 
like how you evolved. Like, you know, we're looking at your origin story, right? You went from mm. Beastmaster. And how did you go from sort of creating beats and, 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 and basically sort of like this way of, uh, of expressing from, yourself? From beatboxing. From beatboxing to actually speaking and vocalizing what you had going on and what was happening around you and, and all of that. Like, what was that synthesis? How did that... I how, how, how did you begin to express vocally that synthesis of everything that was happening at that time? It was just... We grew up in the crack era. And basically, when, when crack exploded, because it didn't just drop out of the sky, it exploded. And basically, you know, when the Wild Wild West... You know where we came. When we came from, you know, you turn. You seen people turning into zombies, literally. You know, and people selling their jewelry, their houses. And everything. I have to say, you, you talk about people turning into zombies, and um, you know, and I immediately think of of the last, the last track that I was just blasting on the way here, Walking Dead. Right? Yeah. And we'll come back to that. Yeah, yeah. And I will, and I will say though, that you know, I use that song as motivation when I'm sitting down and I'm writing, especially because you. you know I'm I'm, I'm I'm doing a book that's entitled Infest and it involves zombies. And I read, oh, okay. Yeah, I look at the zombie uh, apocalypse, but like I take it when I go, what if the zombie apocalypse happened in the Bronx? <laughs> okay, so you, you know, we'll be a lot of pissed off Puerto Ricans, that's for sure. <laughs> so you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, those days. So oh yeah. So, so like you know, I mean, I'm not plugging me. I'm plugging you. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, we're talking inspiration. We're talking yeah, about my the new process. video. You're part of my yeah, process. Thank you. You know. You, so so going back, we're talking about this. You know, synthesizing everything that you kind of been experiencing around that time, right? And then and, and then just beginning to vocalize it like like what was what like what happened when did you go from kicking beats to actually speaking from beatboxing to rhyming I'm gonna say it happened about I'm gonna say tenth grade like the end of eighty seven going into eighty eight um, right I just I was. You know, at that point, you're a teenager. You're changing. Um, so many people have promised, well, so many of those local rappers that I was doing all the beatboxing for, they wanted to, to put me on a record. You know, they're like, oh, we're going to get you, we're going to put you in the studio, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, you're going to beatbox, and I'm going to rhyme over it. We're going we gonna to go out there, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. I mean, yeah, you know, a little bit of shows here and there. Um, but I mean, the records weren't happening, and then some of the dudes, the way they were rhyming, it was just like, I, right, you know, you cool, but you know what I'm saying? It's like even from then, I wanted to hear more. You know, wait, 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 wait. When you saying, all right, okay, so you're saying you're cool in that? So I mean, like, what was the problem for you? Like, what was lacking? Because it sounds like that's what you would say. What was lacking from these guys? It was just like everybody was talking about the same thing. What were they talking about? Everything was um, bitches, jewelry, gold nugget rings, beer, parties. That was it. Just those four things, you know. And I'm just like, there's got to be. Yeah, it's what they're talking about now. Nothing much has changed, but the thing is, not everyone is talking about that. So we went from gold nugget rings to ice. 
Yeah. Right? And yeah. OE to... Champagne. Champagne. <laughs> Codeine. Yeah, yeah. And, and so from there, I don't know, I just wanted to hear more. But then when the, I noticed all the music started changing, the video started changing, you know, you had, pub, you know, from Rakim who was doing his thing on, here on the East Coast, him, King, Coogee Rap, Biz, and then... And, on the West Coast, you had the, the the up and coming, you know, gangster rap. You know, there was a balance back then. You had a balance. You had there was a balance and there was versatility. Two things that the rap game, not hip hop, the rap game, don't have today. Now everyone's one dimensional. Um, back then, you can have five dudes, five different styles, and with the right marketing, the right push, all five of these motherfuckers sold records. You had EPMD going platinum on their first record. And on the West Coast, you had Easy e going platinum on his first record. Two totally different artists out at the same time talking about different shit. Come on. There's, there's no balance anymore. Everything is, this is what it is. This is what we're pushing it as. This is what is. This is what we, the record companies, are going to define it as. So the substance that you talk about, right? Um, are you talking like more social action, or just more narratives that represent the street? And by street, sort of like life as you understood it, as you saw it, and as a lot of us saw it, right? Because quite frankly, I'm from that generation. Hell, I ran with you for a little bit, little bit around that time. So, like. It was, um, we, here on the East Coast, we were going through a, we were going through a, a, a I'm going to say a renaissance of lyricism. Okay. People were graduating from the parties to, to, to straight rhyming. And from straight rhyming, you can basically take that in several directions. You can rhyme about the government being corrupt, but if you made it sound dope, they won't hear you. You know? If you were rhyming about how you nice on the mic and you came off as nice on the mic, people were going to hear you. And for me, I wanted to be heard because I was like, wait a minute. Here I am, 16 going on 17 in high school with a bunch of famous, you know, the, the same high school that some famous cats went to and who we ourselves were coming up with, you know, because we knew who was going to be what back then. You can tell. You know what I'm saying? We were surrounded by so much greatness at that time. Come on, how can, we, how can it not rub off on each other and, 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 and put it out and eventually get it out there? Well, I mean, I, I mean that's the, that was the thing, right? Our year, <clears throat> you know, school, especially our school, was an incubator. It was a pressure cooker. Yeah, it was a pressure. Yeah, there you go. It was a pressure cooker because the times were changing. Things were going. Here in New York, you had several incidents that changed things. Like you know? what? Like you what had, were some of the incidents? One incident, I think, that really changed it for me. I'm going to say when Yusef Hawkins got killed. Because the rap game changed after that. People were like, people were becoming socially aware. And it's one thing to, 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 so to work, to hear who about. Yusuf, who was Yusef Hawkins? Yusef Hawkins was 
a young, what is it, 16 year old kid, um, a brother, young brother, who got lost looking for a car rental place in a predominantly white part of town and was set up upon, jumped by 20 dudes, and basically killed. With baseball bats, right? Bats. This is Howard Beach? No, this was Bensonhurst. Bensonhurst. Um, Bensonhurst. Because there was another one around that time, too. Howard Beach, Michael Griffin. Hi- Michael Griffin? Got Howard chased Beach. onto the highway and got hit by a car. And uh, and Baez. And Stephen Baez Stephen, out in Bushwick. In Bushwick. Yeah. And that was the infamous chokehold. Yeah. That was, that, that, was, that was the incident that stopped the chokehold from being used. Right. Well, it stopped them when the cameras were on. Don't stop them when the cameras are off. Right. I remember. I remember getting well, choked up. I mean, let's you know we 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 talk about things, but like, I mean, let's bring it back now. Yeah. You know, you know the incident that happened in Staten Island. Eric Gardner. Eric Gardner. That was the that that was in fact the chokehold. The chokehold. The same chokehold that killed Stephen Baez twenty years ago. That led to that move. That so old being outlawed. So you, you had you had these these things kind of happening in the mm-hmm. community, and, and and folks were giving rise. You yeah, know, young 16, 17 year old. See, I had up seeing that. I had see my parents. We have we had when we were growing up in the slope, and the and the slope back then was divided. You know, yet the one the, the quote good area and quote bad area. My parents were taking me to a place called Sunset Park, and that and during that time, it was like. It was like Spanish Harlem in Brooklyn. Yeah, I'll say this. I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and back then, my grandmother and family were from Sunset, and they grew up on a block where there was crack houses every couple of feet. You know, every other house was a, was a crack house. I mean, the whole area in general back then, it was no joke. Crack so house. we learned, um, that's basically where I got a lot of my lessons was from Sunset Park. Watching my cousins, watching my uncles... Watching, you know, going to the park and seeing dudes shoot up while we're supposed to be there, you know, playing, you know, being kids, you know, having our childhood raped, for, you know, basically raped because we over here, we trying to be kids enjoying this. And, and, we're, and meanwhile, we're going back home and we're telling our parents this shit and they're like, wow, yo, these kids, are, you know, this is fucked up. You know, the thing is, at the time you didn't know you you didn't know that we didn't know. I didn't didn't know my child was normal. You know, I'm over here like it was not not in the corner. You know, I I went to that you know to 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 school, and I noticed you know when we were in the you know again going to school in the so called bad part of the slope, you know it was normal. You know what I'm saying? It's like you had you know junkies were the norm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you know people hustling. People doing this, people doing that, but not everybody was doing it. You know, you still had people struggling to make shit, struggling to do shit. You had the food stamps, you had the welfare, you had, you know, the face-to-face meetings. You know, my, my, you know, I was blessed enough to have my dad around, you know, because a lot of people didn't have their dads, you know. So we basically, and I hate using the term, hated on because my dad was in the picture. But yet my dad worked six days a fucking week to support us until my mom had to go to work. So all of this sort of... So all of that became... All of that... All of that was absorbed. And, and 
And I guess when I first started writing, that's what made me do it. And I'm like, damn, you know, everyone's saying this and saying this. I want to say this too. You know? And I just started, I just started writing people, you know, like all my earlier stuff was just about hardship. And, and it was more poetic than it was lyrical. It didn't become lyrical until somebody else was doing a beatbox for me and I started rhyming. You know, that's when it became um, lyrical for me. And then I remember in high school, as you remember, I was brave enough to go into dudes who were like three years older than us. You know, you had, you know, I here I am a freshman, freshman going on a sophomore, going up to a table full of seniors and they banging on the lunch table. And you remember how dope that was because the lunch tables, they make a sound that no other table can make. Nope. That was, you know, and then you had dudes who were really nice doing that. So beatboxing went away and was replaced by the banging of the tables. And so then I got bold one day and, and I was like, I always, you know, I hear hearing all these older dudes rhyme and I wanted to be a part of it. And here I am. I'm like the bottom of the food chain during that era. You know what I'm saying? Because we were the new jacks. Freshmen, man. Yeah, we were freshmen. You know, we was we was constantly fucked with. We had Freshman Friday. Freshman all Friday. Day, every day. Yeah, <laughs> we, had, we, had a, we had a fight for our stripes. We had to earn that. So then I decided to get bold one day and I went up. Juniors and seniors. They rhyming, and these are all dudes from Harlem and the Bronx, and that's what made AMG special because we had cats from everywhere. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Local kids in local neighborhoods who went to local schools didn't have that. So right there, that was like a huge blessing right there because I, I think my life would have turned out different if I didn't go to AMG. AMG, I mean, art design is is really a special school, right? But. You know, and, and I guess everyone feels about feels the same or feels this way about their generation, their time. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, man, that period, that period, that was, period special. was special. It was special because it's so so much, so much came from that. You know what I'm saying? Not just you know being around each other, but personally, like you know, you got dudes doing you know what you're doing now. You know, with the podcast and, and writing the books and drawing, and you got cats, you know, with t-shirt companies and 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 dudes, make, you know, doing production. And you know, here I am, you know, at the at the end of my musical journey. You know what I'm saying? Because wait, wait, stop! I gotta interrupt. You are not at the end of your musical journey. <laughs> <laughs> you are nowhere near the end. You are—that's crazy. I talk. I went. I'm like to stop you I right did. there on that thought and just be like, no, I gotta edit that. But no, you're not on the end of your journey, man. There's a I don't look. There's a part of the well. I don't know why I've been feeling like this, but I think I've done such a large body of work in such a short amount of time. I'm starting to think people are getting sick of me. Maybe it's me. Maybe it isn't. But then it's you. you know, I'm here to say it's you. So right. come on. I, it, it, look, look. I, put, I, I, I mean, did, this is beautiful. I did three albums in four years. A lot of people don't do that. I did eight. I did eight videos in four years. A lot of people don't do that. You know, each one I try to make each one different from the last one. Hang on, let's take a step back. We're gonna hear that. We're gonna go into how like every because all of this is like really good background, right? That we can scaffold and build. Yeah. But you need to tell people. You need to tell the audience. You need to let tell the world out there some of the things you've done. All right. So all right. you had all these influences. You stepped up to the mic. Okay. Um, Showed and proved in the cafeteria. Art design. Okay. Boom. Toward, toward the end of art design, 
me and Black Pacino. We're okay. hanging. We're, we me special shout out to Black Pacino. Black, you know Black who Pacino, you are. the Spizzy. Thank you. Dude's always posting everything I do on on the site. Um, me and him, me, him, and you. We go back. Whew, oh, we we approaching that thirty year mark. All right, here's here here. Although 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 you know, you, you know folks were mad back then because you know we were kids and we were arrogant. But I'm gonna tell you how far we go back. You ready for this? Yeah. Legend Comics. Let me just leave it at that. Wow. Yeah, I brought it back. That's right. Wow. Black. Yeah. Legend, Legend Comics. Comics. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you had everything. In the street going on with the, you know, with the the, the, the racially charged climate here in, the, in New York City. You had the birth of conscious rap going on. Um, times are changing. People are changing. Lyrics are changing. What's being played on the radio is changing. Um, basically, me personally, my personal journey, I think when we were growing up, we had Paradise from the group X-Clan living right by us. Right. And back then, before he started the whole X-Clan Blackwatch thing, him and Professor X used to run Latin Quarters. Okay. Paradise discovered me on Eastern Parkway in Underhill beatboxing one day, and he was like, I'm going to watch you. And he did. He watched me for a while. And then me, Black Pacino, Chris Clark... Shout outs. We're gonna. Oh, by the way, me and Chris Clark are gonna finish that record. It is gonna drop next year with three songs in. He's got to finish the rest. My part is done. He's a, it, the man's got to mix it, master it, and, we go, and then we're gonna ship it out. All right. Um. We went hey, uh, to so a rally. Chris, you know, you need to get on that, right? Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to a rally after school. Actually, no, we walked out of school. Because they had a, like a, a walkout behind something that happened, and we—that was the day that we all took over the Brooklyn Bridge. Five thousand of us. I, yo, oh, I remember that. We were fighting with the NYPD, right? I remember that. Yeah, I remember the ass whipping I got when I got home from that. Um, yeah. Yeah, because somebody, you know, somebody went. And they told the old man, and then they saw it on TV, and then we saw Paradise. That's when this was before. X-Clans put any no, videos out. They were literally in charge of the rally talking to all of us. And Paradise looked into the crowd and saw me and I saw him and then he was like, oh, it's you. So, after that, me and Paradise, we exchanged numbers because I, ne- I it was hard to catch him around the way. He was never around. Right. This was during the time when, they, when, when X-Clan was working on the first album, you know, to the East Blackwards and everything. And then he would give me the number to the studio, and then I would call the studio on the payphone at A and D. It's Paradise around, and then he'd be like, "Yo, who's this?" And I'd be like, "Yo, it's Soul Man." Blah 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 blah. And he was like, "Yo, yo, yeah, 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 your little brother from around the way. Yo, you need to come meet me. Yo, we got to talk." And he basically sat me down. And this was the day life changed. The day that life changed is when this man sat me down, only knew me from a face around the way. Right here, I am, this white-skinned Puerto Rican in a sea of blackness. Literally, sat me down and told me, "Keep fucking with these dudes, you're gonna wind up dead and in jail." And I don't want to be the one to tell your parents. You're meant for something more. What dudes were you? What dudes were you rolling with that he had to caution you? 
against being. It was everybody around the way. Because, you know, we were in the middle of the Wild Wild West. I'm not mentioning names because no, I'm, 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 I'm not trying to have no, names. No, 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 I'm not, no, not name-dropping, but, you know, it was, no, no, just, I mean, it, I was know. Just, it was just dudes that, you know, these were the dudes that were on the block. These were the dudes that... that, that who were who, running who things. Looked, some, yeah, who were running things, who were doing some things. More that, some more than others, but, I mean, I'll give you a couple... But, from folks but, these out were, here. But, these, but these were dudes I was close to. These were dudes who, who, to this day, I still keep in contact with. These are dudes that I love. You know what some, I'm saying? Some aren't with us. Some anymore. aren't with us anymore. Most of them aren't with, aren't with us, us anymore. Right you know what I'm saying? I had, I had, and this was the question that he asked me. He goes, "How many funerals have you been to?" By that time, I already had lost count. How many weddings have you been to? I told him none. He says, "What's wrong with this picture?" That question fucked me up. Okay. Because I ne- one, I had never been to a wedding. At that point, by that time, I ain't never been to a wedding, but I've been to way too many funerals. And he told me, he says, this is where life has got to change. He says, I know you spit. I know you do this. People know you. You're talented. You, you, you draw. You, you, you rhyme. He says, there's more for you than, than what you're doing now. He says, you're going to wind up dead or in jail. And I never had nobody ever sit me down, not my parents, not my brothers, not my uncles, n- nobody ever sit me down and told me shit like that. But you were ready at that moment. You were ready to hear that, and from him. From that when 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 he told me that, I was like, oh, because usually, usually when somebody sits you down and they want they want to vibe with you, I'm over here like you know we already seen. The promos on Video Music Box. You know, this is protected by the red, black, and green. Mm. You know, this is when Unique and Deshan, they were they were the first messengers before Brother Jay and Sugar Shaft and everything. But everybody was in the background, Lin Q, Queen Mother, all of them. You know, and we would see the promos on Video Music Box, and that's what caught my eye. They were different. They were bold. They were angry. I was angry. And I'm like, and he was like, you need direction. I'm here to give, I'm here to provide it if you want it. I had no one ever told me that, you know? And then from there, he basically said, you're going to meet Professor X, we're going to get you in Blackwatch. So one day, me and Black Pacino, we're in the village, and we're in the village, and then all of a sudden, we see, you know, because we went to, yeah, we went to night school at, at Irving, Washington Irving. So we we didn't go to one class one night. And we're walking around the village just hanging, and all of a sudden, there's Professor X. I mean, the, the Sugar Shaft, the DJ, rest in peace. You know, that that's a brother who, who was dearly, dearly missed. And we bumped into Sugar Shaft, and I told him, you know Paradise? He said, of course I know Paradise. Is he a Paradise lives on my po- you know, I lived down the block from Paradise, and, and he said he was, you know, trying to get me down with the with the movement. And then he was like, y'all want to meet Professor X? And we were like, yeah. So then, this was a week before my 18th birthday. Me and Black Pacino, we go into this bar where Professor X is being interviewed by, by, by um, I forgot who the lady was. He's being interviewed by some lady for a British magazine, because she had this really thick British accent. And then all of a sudden, they introduced us to them. 
And me and Black Machina were like, oh shit, this is fucking him. Mumba, Mumba Carson, son of Sonny Carson. You know, he was like, oh, what up there, young brother? What's your name? I said, Soul Man. He, he put his gla- sunglasses down, and he used his big eyes, and he said, excuse me? I says, they call me Soul Man. And he was like, I wonder why. And, you know, with, with his, you know, with the way that he carried, you know, the way he spoke and everything. And so I told him, like, yeah, you know, Paradise had wanted me to meet you. And he was like, you know, he says, you know, Brother Dice, the architect? And I says, yeah, he lives down, you know, he lives down the block from me, you know, from around the way. And he was like, really? Brother, you need to come down to the office. You need to come show your face and blah, blah, blah. And then he gave us, um, was some tickets to the Ritz to see them perform at the Ritz and I wind up taking Black Machina with me that night. Me and him, we went that night. Yo, our birthdays were back to back. That's when we saw them. And we saw them live at the Ritz. We saw Karis One there that night. We seen the Jungle Brothers there that night. The Booyah Tribe performed. Perform. Um, they were from the West Coast. The Booyah so, Tribe. So, so, I mean, take it back for a second for, a second for, the, for the younger um, generation and and explain to them what that lineup would mean for them now. That lineup for them now would be like it would be that lineup for them now would be like, like Drake, Yeezy, Drake, Yeezy, um, Bobby, Bobby Schmurder, who's like you know who's like the the it thing right now in two thousand fourteen, the Schmoney dance. Um, that basically that lineup. But now, I mean, but take it a little bigger though, because I mean. For who you are, for your audience, for what you're seeing, I mean, isn't it a little bigger? Wouldn't it be like, I mean, of course, this is pop sensibilities, but just for them to understand, that would be like you going in and hanging out backstage with, 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 with Katy Perry, Taylor Swift. Yeah. Know, um, yeah. Uh, Justin Bieber. Yeah. Well, I don't know if anyone really wants no, to uh, fucking hang no, out backstage no. with Justin Bieber, but... I mean, it was a huge deal. He, he looks, he looks kind of sweet. <laughs> well, we go, we gonna leave that one. Each his own. But, um, but I mean, my dog gonna have a good time with that one. All right, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I, I know the tagline is behind, <laughs> behind the veil, beyond the pale. But you yeah, know. all right, let's bring it back. So that would I mean, be, yeah, it, that's, it would be among those lines. It would be okay. huge like that to see, you know. Um, so here I am. Your heroes. Yeah, with literally lyrical heroes. And here I am. I I went from being surrounded by dealers and gangsters to being surrounded by black militants. Literally, literally, you got... I went from the far left to the far right. Well, they were left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you went from I went from I went hood, I, Yeah, I went I went from behind like, I went from behind the gun to behind to you know, to behind the light basically. You know, it, everything changed, you know, and I guess that's when the lyrics started to change. Well, that's maybe when, you still had the gun but it's pointing somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Right? Pretty much. It's pointing somewhere else. Yeah. I I've had, I've had my fair share. And by the way, when we say gun, we mean that metaphorically, right? Yeah. All right. So it went, yeah, it went from it went from a six shooter to a, to, to to multi rounds. 
Because right, the nine wasn't being introduced yet. So, um, this life-changing moment, right? Yeah. And then That was it right there. That's when it all happened. When Paradise sat me down and says, literally, do or die. You know? Grow up or, 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 or you're going to get swallowed up. You know, they basically turned boy to a man. You know? And that's when, that's lyrically, I mean... Everything changed at that moment. You know, left the gang shit alone, left the dumb shit alone. You know, yeah, you know, I still got my drink on or whatever have you, but, you know, as far as trying to make a difference, be a difference, show, you know, show others what was shown to me. As they say, be the change. Yeah, be the change. Don't, just don't, just don't talk it, do it, be it. So that's when, you know, lyrically, for those who don't know, lyrically, I've always been different because I think for, especially for a Spanish rapper, because for me, it was harder because most, at that time, everybody was in the big shiny shoes, the tight purple suits, the whole club scene, the the, the club, you know, the whole club music freestyle thing. Polka that dots. was never my thing. Polka dots. Polka dots. That was never that was never my deal, you know. So I was different from the average Spanish kid. I wasn't in that environment, you know what I'm saying? You know, even when we went to sunset, a whole lot of freestyle. It was a whole lot of yeah, that whole you know the Cynthia's, the Johnny O's, and all that. You know, my brothers listened to that. You know, it was like there was three of us at home, and all three of us had different personalities. I was the hip hopper. I was the b boy. My middle brother was. The freestyle club music head, the house head, and then my youngest brother, God rest his soul, he was the rocker. So he had those three combinations under one roof. You had all that energy feeding off with each other. One can listen to other one, one can listen to the other one, one can vibe off of this one. And that's what we did. We vibed off of each other. You know? That's, that's hip hop. It, it made us different. But that's hip hop. Yeah. Exactly. The ability to and vibe off of each other. That's what it was. So. As as the rap game was changing and people were getting more serious and more more verbal, more articulate, um, that's that's the route I wind up going. You know, I was like, you know, so here I am, June of nineteen ninety, graduated high school, and then all of a sudden I'm going, you know, I went down to the Black Watch office, I wind up joining them, I wind up traveling with them. Um, after high school had ended, I was with them pretty much all the time, going to the office, learning to do shit, learning to talk shit, just, um, being the change, you know what I'm saying? It's like going from a knucklehead to, 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 to a, to a a young man, you know, but still writing and, 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 and still doing and and being lyrical. Now, see, here's the interesting thing, right? I'm, a, I'm just cutting, right? This is like a personal matter. I've known you forever. Yeah. And it's like, in high school, I mean, I knew some of the stuff that you were doing, but I didn't know, I never knew to what level, like, you, you know, and even when I hear the stories later, you know, later down the life, even when you were telling me stuff that you were doing, it's, it was surprising and shocking to me. Not because it was Steven Santiago doing this stuff, right? Because, I mean, you know, you're always on point. 
you know, we were all little knuckleheads, but like I knew you can you can do it. It's just the way you carried yourself, right? You never walked around, and you never had you never gave off the impression that you were down with all these really you you know important people that that you was that you were pretty much down with. I was know, I was taught and part of this movement. I was taught early on. Actually, this was something I learned from my dad. Um, a man is a man. Men bleed. Men think. Men do. So, as far as being starstruck, no, that was never that was never me. You know, I. It wasn't that I kept anything a secret. It was just, you know, you just to, them, the to them, to them, it was doing. like. You have my friends' friends, my school friends, my around-the-way friends, my music friends. It's compartmentalized. Yeah, everything, that's based, That's how my life was for years, even after. The internet changed everything. The internet was, yeah, it sucked everything into one. And I was just like, I found out the hard way. You know, sometimes it's not always a good thing. <laughs> you know, because here you have, you know, here are people like... My sister can sing. Can you introduce him to this one? And I'm like, oh, fuck. You know, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. Even now, I still get that. Oh, my sister can sing. Can, can, can you make her a demo? What do you mean, make her a demo? Do you even know what that is? You know, it's like, you know, that that, that drives a dude that shit after. <laughs> you know, because it's like, oh, come well, on. Yeah, I mean, like, you, 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 serious? You, you never pull, like, the uh, the artist, the, you know, so, like, the douchebag artist who like, no, nah, there was no. What's your system look like? There was never, <laughs> nah. There was no, ne- never no need to, because it was just like, I was, I was always me. You know, it was like, yeah, you know, am, am I known for certain things? Yeah, I am. Am I still known for being a wrestling junkie? Yep, yep, definitely. Am I known for being a crazy when I drink? Well, not anymore. You know, because I don't drink the way I used to drink. You know, and you know, I had my demons like everybody else, and we all had demons. You know, it was like, look, I lost my, you know, I lost a brother. I lost an aunt to a to, to 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 a fucked up disease. You know, I lost my grandmother to another disease. You know, I had people who influenced me die by 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 a certain age. You know, it was just so much. They was like, yeah, demons creep in. They creep in. You know, but when you have that strong background with those demons swimming around in your head at the same time, that could make for some very interesting music. And I think that's what I did. I think musically, why I'm like, I'm willing to go further and, and, and expose more of myself as a human and as a poet is because I'm not afraid to go there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, do I still talk about my, you know, I'm not, yeah, there's things I'm, I'll talk about. That's not a problem. Yeah, of course, you know. Anything goes. When it comes to the records, anything goes. Anything that's going to make them say, oh, shit, that was deep, that's what I'm willing to do. That's what I'm willing to say. You know, it's like I had, I think my first album, I think I got rid of a lot of my demons off the first album. There was just so much I wanted to get off my chest. And I think that's why the album was just a little bit too long because it was 18 joints. And it was just like, I remember driving the production team crazy because here I am I'm like 24 songs 25 songs and they're like yo dude when are you going to wrap this up you have X amount of songs and and I would just go in there 
the process with recording, give me the beat. And whatever the beat is saying to me is what I'm going to write to it. Let's stop a second. Now, when you say write to it, do you mean you're actually going to sit down and you have the notepad in your writing? Or is it just you're in the cipher and you're just spitting? I write. Okay. I write. I'm a concept writer. I've never... What is it? I've never, what is, I never, what is it for... Because I don't know. I don't know. And if I don't know, then most of my audience probably won't know. What is a concept writer? A concept writer is basically you... You, you take something... And you revolve a story slash song around it. Like when I did, um, like when I did Tasty Love. <laughs> Tasty Love is the story about a guy who loves to go down on, who loves going down, and basically dedicated a song to the art of going down. You know, so basically I took a personal experience from a certain young lady whose, let's say, uh, treasure box drives me insane. And I wrote a love song about it only because it was her treasure box and Tasty Love was born. Okay. You know, and same thing, same thing with Walking Dead, Walking Dead. Based on the show, the music was sampled from the show, and I was just like, I wanted to put my own spin on it, because as fans of the the book, as fans of the show, and with everything that's going on today in the world, I can see some shit like that jumping off. Call me crazy, but I can honestly see some shit like that jumping off. One way or another, or something similar to it. So I wrote it. One step to doomsday, the dawning of a new day with airborne diseases, tighten up your airways. I wrote that last December. And how is it now, when I say tighten up your airways, shut down the fucking airports, something's spreading, and look at what's going on not even a year later. What's e- going on? Ebola in Brooklyn. I don't know if it's in Brooklyn confirmed, but... You know, you got Ebola here now. You got you got stuff that was never here before now. You know, before you know it, great whites are going to be swimming off the beaches in Coney Island. I mean, you, you, the, you with know, laser guns strapped to their fins. With laser guns strapped to their fins, you know, it's just like, you know, it's just it was it's a crazy world. It's crazy times, and 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 damn, I hate to say I told you so. But god damn, I told him so. You know, it's like everything I said in that record, little by little, is coming true. And I'm just like, I'm like, wow. You know, how long before the government come and run me out? <laughs> Put me in a, make me a political prisoner or, or, or be labeled an agitator of the state. And, you know, some, some crazy shit like that. You well, know, I, mean, I wouldn't I, be surprised. I think, I, I but then think, again, look where it comes from. I used to be down with Sonny Carson and them. So, well, but, I mean, here's the thing, though, right? I think, I think that the government's agenda has has been moved away from, at least in a visible way, um, black militants. And quite frankly, I mean, do we really have any prominent black militants? I don't. 
Right? Are there any prominent black militants? They've always... Is there, is, is, is there like a prominent black militant agenda that's being um, offered? I'll be, I'll be honest with you. They've always made me feel more like a part of the family. But I'm not... I'm, I'm, most, not, well, I'm not... I mean... You know? I mean, it's, it's clear that you've got a very strong relationship with with militants and the movement and that you were a part of, you contributed and you worked within within the movement and your music and your way of being is kind of wrapped up in that, right? Influence, heavily right. influence. All my, like, my so, yeah, my music is influenced so off of that being the change. Power know. to the people, freedom for freedom of death. Um be you know, be the change. Do you know, don't talk about it. Be, you know, be do about it, it right? be about it. So but the thing is, I'm asking you. Mm. And maybe I'm challenging because I don't see it. Okay. And, and and maybe something's wrong with me. Mm. You know, maybe I'm drinking for Kool Aid. I hope not. But <laughs> do you see a black militant agenda? Do you see no. like an organization, a group of people, or just like one person? You have. I mean, you have four. You have organizations like like in Pittsburgh. You have one hood. There's an organization out of, out, of, out of Pittsburgh. I mean, there's some. I mean, there's some organizations here in New York that you know um, that are doing work. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know, the, the, and there's you have a lot of small chapters doing what they can with what they got. Exactly. But you do you, but but do you see? But like the 80s and the 90s, right? Do you even feel or get a sense that there's this movement? No. Right. No, no. It's because even changed. when when the idea yeah, of because like the music, because you know what I noticed, music influences people whether you want to believe it or not. Like oh, when you see, when like because when you see like like perfect example, Facebook. Waka Flocka, Facebook. Uh, I thought you were gonna talk about Waka Flocka. Nah, 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 nah. The funniest thing Waka Flocka has ever said was something about his group of dudes being the next Wu Tang. I just like that was that was good. Yeah, but apparently I'd have, I'd have to find, I have to look it up on YouTube. But apparently, um, as recently as about a month ago, the, the guy came out and he made a, um, uh, I think it was a political statement around Ferguson. What made everyone step back and pause and go, "Word, yeah, yeah." There's, there's, I mean, there's some great matter behind those lots. But yeah, so you were saying there's. Um, Facebook, perfect example of, of music influencing people. How many people they? How many people do you see on there? They'll quote a Rihanna lyric, but they won't, you know. But they won't quote a a, a Martha Luther King quote unless it's Black History Month. But here's the thing, though, right? Yeah, they're quick to say. I'm a bad bitch, or I got cake, and I'm this, and I'm that. But you know, or haters love me. What haters? But here's the thing: people like that with that mentality, and that's that happen. You know, of any stripe, more times than not, they're not going to be quoting Malcolm X. How many people would be able to quote Malcolm X beyond the dream speech? Yeah. A speech that he wasn't. Even really going to give Malcolm Martin? Um, the apocalypse is starting, bro. 
in my hallway. <laughs> that's the that's the thing about running a building. You just never know when something's gonna jump off. That's upstairs. Um, people are more influenced by weak-minded artists than they are these days. People are more influenced by weak by um, more fat-conscious artists than they are socially conscious artists. I think political rap died a bullshit death because it was getting to a point where we were quote-unquote becoming dangerous as far as the, 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 the fight for like mental freedom, social freedom, economic freedom, and record labels, whether forced or on their own decided we're going to change the channel on people and start putting out more commercialized jingle related music. Yeah, but I mean um Criminal Minded the album. Right? Chaos One. Yeah. Okay. Um what was its net earning versus say NWA straight out of Compton? Straight out of Compton, basically, what, I think double platinum? Right. Times platinum? Criminal Minded? Self-released album, probably... I mean, it's... Probably a couple hundred thousand. Classic. Classic like, album. Beautiful I mean, album. Straight out of Compton. There were two street albums. Straight out of Compton. Yeah. Strong album. Very strong album. But, you know, like... And, and, that, and the way that music, that the industry seemed to be shifting... And the way that, because I mean, you, you, it's like nature nurture, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you know, is it just what was happening organically, or is it something that the industry just sort of manipulated in the way to, 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 to in terms of sales? But it seemed like for for a while that some you know more of your like conscious rappers. They weren't selling as well as gangster rappers, right? They were and, and I mean, you know, if I if we own a studio. I mean, you know, not for nothing. Um, you know, it's going to be the difference between getting up in the morning and having coffee and day-old Italian bread versus, like, you know, coffee and a croissant. What do you want? You want something fresh. Exactly. You always want something You know, you, want, you, 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 you know it's the difference between, um, you know, a beaten-up Chevelle, which, by the way, is a beautiful car, and a Lexus. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you're that minded... You know, that's if you're materially minded, you're gonna go where the money is. You own the business. You want your business to make money. Yeah. Right. So now that's that's not to say that you know, I I, I don't know that I disagree with the idea that there was a huge, there was a, a secret cabal where the government said went and spoke with the you know the producers association of Americans. Yeah, you're gonna focus on gangster rap because that's what we need you to. And we'll and we'll leave you alone, and you're gonna make lots of money. But that's where you're gonna go, because you know. And then gangster rap went into, you know, the the era of uh, materialism, right? Because that's, I mean, that's all. Yeah, all every yeah, single okay, bad boy, okay, yeah. <laughs> everything was about a catalog of riches. Yeah. Like, this is what I got. This is what I'm wearing. What you wearing? This is where I'm going. This is where I live. Where do you go? Yeah. What's in your house? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You wasn't saying nothing. 
I mean, even 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 when Biggie passed, right? Oh wow! Yeah, but he still was the same. I mean, and I think throughout that time, I still I still kept it deep because I wanted I still wanted to stand out. You know, I still wanted to be like, all right, you have. You have your, your 300 rappers talking about the same thing. I wanted I wanted to be that one, that underdog. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm, I'm used to being the underdog. You know, okay. so I wanted to be I wanted to be that one. I wanted to be that guy. You know? Yeah, he talked. Yeah, he talked different shit. But 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 yeah. But you know what? When you really think about it, he is saying something. You want to be a hip hop artist? Artist. I wanted, yeah, I want, yeah, exactly. I wanted, to, I wanted to be the, I wanted to be the guy behind the guy, you know, because you always have something that I was taught. You can either be the chump in the front, or you can be the Mac in the back. You know, I'd rather be the Mac in the back. I want to be like chump in the front. I like that. The chump in the front. Yeah, you, you know. Bitches, you know, say, ah, yeah, blah, 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 yeah, you know, I like that record. All right, that's all well and good. You know, there's a, again, it goes back to to being, there's a balance. You know, somewhere along the line, they killed off, everything became unbalanced, and versatility died. Versatility used to be everything in rap. Not hip-hop, rap. And I wanted to be the underdog to say, fuck the status quo. Fuck going with the grain. I want to whip out my shit and piss against it on purpose. I want to piss them off on purpose. I want to be the guy. I want to be the rapper who disses your favorite rapper's ways and have that rapper say, yo, that was dope. Or that was deep. That's the guy I always wanted to be. I wanted to be the underdog. I wanted to be the anti-hero. Or if you're a wrestling fan, I wanted to be the Stone Cold. All right. You know, the guy who went against the system. The guy who went against, you know, the guy who... Who hates everything you believe in because there's something bigger out there to believe in. You know? Fuck your gold chains. Fuck your gold teeth. Fuck your fake breast. Fuck your fake ass. You got babies who are not living to see the age of 18. Some of them now are dying before they're 14. You see all these little videos on the internet. I'd rather be the guy who says, fuck World Star. And, and have them say, oh shit, did you hear him say that? Did you hear what the fuck he just said? I want to be that guy. For years, I wanted to be that guy. You know, I got away with it for a while. You know, even like, again, with records like Walking Dead. You have people, you know, you still have... I'm in the club, make your pussy bounce. Yeah, Uh uh-huh, make that pussy bounce. That's all well and good. There's a time and a place for everything. But if I come out... And you hear the first 10 seconds of Walking Dead and you hear that chilling sample and everyone knows what that's and everyone knows what that music comes from. You hear that 
You but I had a DJ recently on his internet radio show tear that first 10 seconds up the way a classic hip hop DJ should. And as powerful as that record is, and I'm not saying it because I wrote it, I'm saying it because it is what it is. Give credit where credit is due. One of my biggest flaws that I don't give myself enough credit. But when I did, when I broke the, I broke that mold when I did Walking Dead. I mean, there's something really special about that song, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, so, I've been doing a lot of thinking about, and that's probably the reason why I've developed this podcast, the process. Is the process in terms of, you know, um, like my writing and what I'm trying to do with my writing, what I'm trying to say, you know, am I just telling stories just to entertain people or am I just trying to make you think? And there's, um, there's, I mean, you you know, you want a writer's writer, you ever get a chance, I'll, I'll set you up with him. Book Samuel Delaney, right? So I'm reading his book on writing. And there's one point where he talks about characters and, and and in fact dialogue right and which I think would be fitting for 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 you because I, I, a lot of what you do is just dialogue mm-hmm. dialogue is you know you write dialogue and it's supposed to it, it moves the story it moves the plot along and you know it gives us direct information about the narrative that you're telling right but then and then it gets but the, and, and, and that's the way but, but then he takes it meta, and it's like, yes, you think about the story, and you give you give audience the information, and you can just give the audience all the information that they need, or you can give them just enough information. You give them like thirty or forty percent, and you affect the way they think. You're affecting the way that they think. By having them, by telegraphing what you're thinking, what you're saying in terms of the narrative, and they're supplying the rest. But the rest is that, that they're supplying is a logical outgrowth of what you wrote. And when I listen to The Walking Dead, because I listen to it a lot, and I'm like, on the one, on the, on, on the level, it's like, you know. Yes, he, you know, Lossal is, is he's, he's breaking down his show, and it's cool, and it works that way. And on another level, it's like, is, is this an, is, is he making, is, you know, is this an allegorical tale of what you can see going on outside in the world? Is an allegorical tale of what's, you, you know, his experiences, um, you know, what does he mean by we're the walking dead, you know? Are we all zombies? And by that, you know, is he is, is he being liberal or is he being figurative? Both. So, right. Both, because when I say Walking Dead, I mean you got people who are basically mentally dead, dead already. They're so stuck in their quote unquote ratchet ways. They're not <laughs> trying to change. You literally have. A segment of the population that refuses to change, knowing the direction that we're going as a people. And it's sad. So basically, when I say Walking Dead, I mean, yeah, you know, when I say zombie, 
basically, I'm not I'm not talking about a dead man with with torn up clothes. I'm talking about that fly guy who who knows he's living on borrowed time because he's too stupid to change. And it's not that he's too stupid to change; he's too stupid to want to change. There's a difference. It's not whether you can or you can't. It's whether you will or you won't. And that was something else that I had people like my father taught me, my mother taught me, Paradise, Professor X, Brother J, YZ, um, Ling Q, Queen Mother Rage, uh, Juice, everybody that, that personally was a part of me becoming, me going from beatboxing boy to lyrical man. That was, you know, that's just what I mean. You know, you have that segment of the population that, you know, again, you have the same thing. The middle-aged moms who want to twerk and, 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 you know, meanwhile, you got your baby in shitty diapers next to you and and taking a picture of it and posting it everywhere. You know what I'm saying? That's just as big a zombie and it's just as much as being mentally dead as the guys going around looking for brains to eat on the show. Zombies are zombie. Life after death. Mental death. The only difference is the nails I hit on the head talking about. Basically, I just basically told my old story lyrically, mentally, over a show that did it physically. The funny thing is, it's like, because when I listen to it, and, you know, the story that that I'm writing infest. I re-envisioned the zombie apocalypse right in the Bronx mm-hmm. and so it's a graphic novel mm-hmm. and it's almost done it's going to come out next year it's going to be pretty cool and like I wrote a screenplay to it right mm-hmm. and the screenplay had its problems I went back and you know a friend of mine Erica Schultz uh, special shout out to Erica thank you for your notes um, you know, she suggested um, serious revisions, and I kind of sat on the point six, seven months, and and then you know, I was like, I have to kill my darlings. You know, I I was telling the story from a strictly pop cultural pop cultural like sense sensibilities, and I was like, this is a you know zombies in the South Bronx. I can't tell a zombie story, The Walking Dead, without looking at the drug academic, you know, academic, epidemic, yeah. right? And, and like, so there was crack. And the story doesn't take place in the 80s, so it's really not telling, but there is there. But now, you know, it's interesting because you have a resurgence of heroin use. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and yeah. then and that's, then, that's huge on the comeback. Meth. Molly, meth. Molly. But I mean, even more, like, more, sca- like, not even scary. It's like almost comical. In a very grim, you know, gallows humor kind of way. A couple of years ago, the whole bath salts thing, right? So, like, the hair was a drug that, if, if, like, you took it, it was just so potent. And it just, just sort of rewrote and just changed your whole sort of, you know, nervous system in the way you thought that you became accountable. I remember that. You bath know? Bath salts. You know, and it's like I went back and I read to I, I like I got a script right, and, and I'm now in like 
you know, draft three. And, um, and, and part of that process is, you know, um, is listening to The Walking Dead. Because he, like, like I explained before, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, like, well, what was going through the brother's head? What is, what is this song saying? Because, I mean, you know, you know that the theme from the music is, is evident, but then you drop that deep bass, and then, boom, you, you jump in, and it's like, yeah. Yeah. Shout then, out to Thanos, because absolutely. he, production-wise, we've been working together for the past seven years, and he's done 90% of everything that you hear from me out there. And I think, actually, I, I think the number is higher than 90%. Um, nine times out of ten, when you hear me spit something on the radio or something on an internet radio show or, or something at a party or a show or whatever, chances are he did the beat. Um, when he did Walking Dead, that beat was actually for sale on, a music, on one of his music sites. And I was like, no, got to have it today, now, right now. And he was like, oh, no, but I'm selling it. I'll buy it. I don't care. I have to have it. This is, I need this. I've never felt this strongly about a track ever. You know, it, with the exception, with the exception of, of the, of Hand in the Dark. There was another, there was a record I wrote back in 2011. Um, when I heard the track, I had to have it. I mean, some beats, you know right away, well, me as an artist, I know right away whether something is single worthy, video worthy, or just something that will be a dope album cut. How do you know that? Why do you know that? What goes into that? It just speaks to you right away. It it, it, it it sucks you in, like, instantaneously. It's like seeing... I guess the last time that I, I fell head over heels over somebody, when you just know right away, right away, when it hits you, it hits you. Like, you see that girl, and you're just like... Gotta have it. Like, this is happening. This like, is gonna happen. Like... You know, I don't know, I don't know why, I don't know what it is, but there's just something about you and the tasty, just, the, the 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 girl behind the girl behind this, the, the the tasty love story. It goes back to that when you like the first time I saw her, I just knew, and it happened. It happened, you know, and that's how basically how you know when a beat draws you in and sucks you in right away. When that beat speaks to you as an artist, you know this has the potential to be something. And that's what separates singles from album songs. Singles go on to be videos. Videos go on to tell stories. Stories that make people look at everything else that you're putting out. The single, your first single, dictates the course of whether people are going to listen to the rest of your story. Every album is a story. A lot of people don't do, don't build their albums around concepts anymore. You know, Public Enemy's second album, Takes a Nation of a Million. That was such a brilliant album. 
because the whole thing, start to finish, was about the nation of a million trying to hold us back. And I think that's why I went with this new album, Apocalyptic Visions, where I went back and I told stories about my childhood, my teenage years, and my adulthood, because the world is ending, I want my story to be told before the end comes. And really quick plug, where can we get a you know, apocalyptic like, visions. Apocalyptic visions. Where can um, you can look. You, you can base. You can look it up. At, um, if you go to most mu- music sites like iTunes or Google Play or even you know what, even my personal website, uh, www.thedarkpoetic.com. That it's it's like an official artist website. All three albums are on there. All eight videos are on there. Up-to-date bio, record covers, everything is on that site. Um, you can look for me on iTunes. Just type in Lost Soul, Apocalyptic Visions. The album is there. You can basically just type in the name of my album anywhere. You know, Google Play, Rhapsody, Amazon. It's, it's pretty much everywhere online. But if you want to get it for a good price, go to my website thedarkpoetic.com because it just it takes you to my band camp my band camp you get it 699 13 new joints um again all produced by Thanos and um again it's just just a poet speaking my piece before I'm laid to peace you know before I'm laid to rest you know so it's just apocalyptic visions I'm seeing you know I've seen the end of my dreams and it's starting to, and a lot of those dreams are starting to come true, and Walking Dead is just the first chapter of that story, and it goes on, you know. So it's the first chapter in this album, or albums to come? Um, as far I mean, it's, it's the first story on that album. As far as doing another album, um, I haven't decided. I mean, I I have an EP that's coming that me and Chris Clark did together. That was actually supposed to drop first. And, um, because during my last, uh, my last off stint from, from, from the, from the job world, I basically recorded the 13 songs for the album, well, actually 15 songs for the album, 13 made the final cut. And then I recorded all the, all the, the, the songs for the Chris Clark project. And... Three of those songs are done, but then I had all this other stuff finished, ready to rock, so we decided we're going to put the album out first, and then when the EP is done, the EP will come after that. But there is another Lost Soul project coming. As far as after the EP, I don't know. Let's see. It could happen. It, it, it more than likely is going to happen, because every time... Every see, I, every time I try to walk away from this thing, or every time I say, "Okay, I'm old, I'm tired, that's it, no more," I get sucked back into it. You know, so you know when I did when I did the the video for Tasty Love, and I'm over here trying to do my own stunts, and I'm crouching in front of a of a fire escape playing the the the, the peeping tom. <laughs> I remember that. When I did the peeping Tom thing, and I'm looking at, you know, Shorty laying in the bed, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm talking to you. And, um, yeah. <laughs> um, will I do another one? Chances are I'll do another one. It, it's, you know, I have, I, 
I still have a lot of beats um, from from people on the computer, and I don't I don't like to let beats go to waste. I'm that I'm I'm that's just that's always been me. If, if someone takes the time out to send me something, and I know that I can do something with it, you know, sometimes I can make it happen quick. Sometimes I can't. Every every beat is different. Like I said, some of them suck you in right away. You just have to do it right there on the spot. Some of them you have to let them grow on. Not so much grow on you, but you got to come up with something to build around. You know, because again, I'm a my specialty has always been concept songs or throwback songs, and and you know, telling a story over a track. You know, and chances are there'll be a, uh, chances are there's going to be another one. Okay. You know, um, most you know, I, I keep telling people, I keep telling people, I'm done. You know, the same way Stone Cold broke his neck and had to step off. You know, the same way I feel. You know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is just me, but um, we're competing with the younger generation that they're so. I'm not gonna say hungry, but they're so thirsty for attention. See, there's artists who are hungry and there's artists who are thirsty. What's the difference? That hunger is that passion, that drive, the will, the, the willingness to, to stand back and build yourself as a brand, to build yourself as an artist, to build around your sound, to build around your name, as compared to being thirsty as someone who's just so feeding and, and desperate for attention that they'll just give away their whole catalog for free and, and, and you know, rhyme over other people's shit. And, 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 you know, there's nothing wrong with that. People are like, well, how come you don't do mixtapes? How come you just don't, you know, rhyme over this one and rhyme over that one? I'm like, because to me, that's what we did in high school. Yeah, but I mean, I will say, though, um, that one piece that you did a couple of years ago off of Wiz Khalifa's joint was... Pretty nice. Talk about me. Yeah. Yeah. Very rare that I do that. That's why I don't I don't have a lot of them joints out there like that. You right. Know? And but, but I mean that and, and I guess that's what makes that track special. That track that track I was actually purposely um there was some really crazy shit that was being said about me. And I guess when I wrote that record, it was the blow off steam about it, you know, and um, it was just stuff that was being put out there on the internet. Because usually, you know, someone's saying something in, in, around the neighborhood or whatever, you know, it's whatever, who cares, you know. But when I heard that certain things were being thrown out there on the internet, and I was just like, oh no, oh no, no, no. I got to handle this. I, I got to, I got to, like, say something to address that. And I guess records like Rhyme Fiend and Talk About Me um, over the Wiz Khalifa track. Yeah, because when I heard that track, I was like, oh, that would be dope to do something over. You know? But again, you know, when you're so, when you're so used to rhyming over original music and original music, not original, and, and I mean original music that's incredible. Yeah. You know, like you see the birth of it when, you know, most artists don't sit in on their producers' beat-making sessions. You know, they don't sit there and, and, and look at how something for them is being built or born. 
You know, that's why we have a saying at the studio, at Brotherhood Studios with Thanos and Arwinum. You know, at the end of the song, when it's done, we have this saying: "It's a baby." Or I'll go out there and we'll introduce it as our new baby, because basically we're, you're putting something together as being born, thoughts are being conceived, the track is being born, we we we, we get on it, we put our own stamp on it, and we, we put it out to the world, and um, so that's what the saying that we have: it's a baby. So when talk about me was the new baby, um. Yeah, I was just I was just pissed off. I was just angry that day when you know, and I was just like, well, you know, I usually don't rhyme over other people's instrumentals. But I'll do it this one time. I mean, I'm gonna do it again, you know, because it's like it, you like you know you like to put your, your your own spin on things sometimes. But I'm spoiled because I'm so used to getting all this hot stuff. And you don't have to. That I don't have to rhyme over. Why, why sh- I shouldn't have to rhyme over anybody else's stuff. I get all this dope stuff. From Thanos, who basically has been producing me for seven going on eight years now. You know, next year, yeah, yeah, seven going on eight years that, you know, certain tracks. But then again, certain tracks, I see where other people are coming from too. Because I see where the next guy sees it as like, yeah, but this would be dope if you put your own spin on it. You know, and I see that too, but I'm spoiled, you know, to a degree I'm, I'm, I'm spoiled. When I was like, I'm so used to having original music, I gotta have it, you know, it's like, if I, if someone blesses me with something and I know I can do something with it, I mean, shit, there's a Wu-Tang beat out there right now that I wanna, I, I wanna chop up and, and... Well, it's not, I mean, I'm put my sure it's on not it. from the, uh, the album that's traveling the world right now. No, no, it's no. It's a million dollars to hear it. No, no, actually, Pretty no. Sure it's not coming off that track. Mm-mm. No tracks from that one, because no one's heard it. My... It's a it's a track off the second album, and you know Wu Tang Forever, and you know it's something that you know I was thinking about putting an EP out with like three new songs with three old songs redone over classic beats, you know like hip hop beats. Like take one from Wu, take one from Big, take one from Nas. And along with three original joints, package that up to a nice little six-song thing. Yeah. Call it, I don't know, one a title that I have floating around in my head. It's Lost and Found. And then, you know, put it out there. You know, it's like, there's, you know, there's that project that, that you know, I'm thinking about busting off um, at the Chris Clark project. That That's more than halfway done. Um, as far as another full-length Lost Soul album, let's see. Let's see. Um, it could happen. You know. Okay. But I definitely want to play with the EPs. You know, because I've done three full albums already. I did Dreams Die Hard 2010. I did Poetic Resurrection 2012. I got Apocalyptic Visions right now, 2014. So... I'm do the EP thing. Not so much the mixtape thing, but like an EP. I, li- I, I like EPs. EPs, they're like short little statements. You know? I like making short little statements sometimes. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, um... Though not hip-hop, I... <clears throat> one of the bands I follow from the 90s is the, uh, the Pixies. 
and now they um, alt rock, kind yeah. of like surfer rock, and uh, you know they've been putting out EPs, and it's just like all right. Yeah, EPs. Sometimes an EP, I think one of the dopest EPs ever. I'm gonna say Kill It Well, Ice Cube. It was between the first album and the second album, and he dropped his eight song EP called Kill It Well, and I was like blown away by that motherfucker. That was like wow. It was like ninety four, ninety five, right? This was December of nineteen ninety. Ninety? Wait. December of ninety. Going into ninety one. This was when did KKK come out? That came out in the that came out in the beginning of ninety. That came out like February, March, right before the X Clan album came out. Yeah, because X uh, to the East Blackwoods came out in April. Ice Cube thing had dropped previously before that. And then right after Public Enemy came out with Fear of a Black Planet. So those three albums came out back to back to back. And then Tribe Paul Quest that summer. That first Tribe Paul Quest album, Benita Applebaum. I must have rhymed over that instrumental at parties everywhere. And then... Gotta put me on. Gotta put me on. (laughs) You know, then YZ's album came out after that. You know, shout out to YZ. We've been talking on Facebook lately. That that was a, a, a good brother who definitely helped me a lot back in those early days. Okay. You know, he did the the return of the Holy One and control of things, thinking of a master plan, Tower of the Power, who's that girl. He's had joints forever. And, you know, definitely one of the more underrated rappers from that era. So... You know, you know that I got a lot of love for that dude right there. You had to sit down, yeah. And you know, seventeenth, eighteenth birthday going now, and you know, you need guidance, and in paradise, you need guidance, yeah. And if you want, I'll provide it. Are yeah. you still getting guidance? Are you? I still, yeah, we still keep in touch. Yeah, we still keep in touch. I was just, he lives. I mean, he lives in Pittsburgh right now, and he's actually the head of this. Um, social organization called One Hood where they like they they teach these they teach young kids or you know young at risk children um the ins and outs of, of how to you know like digital media um basically how to, to, to use stuff in a in a studio to, to create not just music but movies and videos you know, so he does that with kids, and he does this with another, um, actually, really, really good so um, conscious rapper called Jasiri X, and the, they have one hood down in, in in Pittsburgh, and whenever Paradise is in New York, we try to we try to meet up as much as possible. Jasiri X, the brother with dreads? Uh, no, 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 he doesn't have dreads. Okay. No, someone else I'm thinking about. No, all right. Um, brother Jay has dreads now. So, okay. Yeah, yeah, brother Jay. Nah, yeah. this is one thing I'm, I'm thinking yeah. of a younger cat. And yo, really shout wild. out to brother Jay too because he actually the, the there is a new X Clan album coming next year called Mag Negro. <laughs> <laughs> yes, oh, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to Jay. Um, I haven't spoken to him in a minute, but again, I mean, you know. I, he, you know, really, really good dude, and um, 
last time me and him, you know, sat down and, and, and built about music, he was just like, he basically told me, you know, when you have the student being told by the teacher that you did it, good job, that means a lot. And I finally had that teacher-student moment with the surviving members of X-Clan and YZ and Queen Mother Rage. Because at that point, you know, during you know the early 90s, those were the ones who were at the forefront of the movement doing the videos, dropping the albums. And that's basically who I studied under. So now, when I'm, I'm the one that's doing the videos, putting out the product, and, and, the and you know, putting my, 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 my face out there, you know, the angry poet, and um, just to hear, yo, that was dope, from the person who taught you, helped you, shaped you, and molded you, lyrically, poetically, and spiritually, that's huge. I've never, I think when I've had, when the last time me and Paradise spoke and he's told me about the Walking Dead video and the song, he was just like, yo, you did a good fucking job. I was just like, I was like, okay, I can, I can die in peace now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like one of those moments, you know, I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure when they heard Tasty Love, they were laughing their asses (laughs) off. Because a lot of people were laughing their asses off. Because, I mean, those are two different songs off of two oh, different... Of course, of course. I mean... It was, it was two different songs off of two different projects. Still raw. And, and, both raw. And, and both raw as hell. Because Chris did his thing when he put that beat together. When that beat, I was like, wow, this is going to be a ghetto love song. <laughs> How can I make this a ghetto love song? How can I put my own... And then me and Chris were talking about it. And then he was just like, why don't you make it dirty? And I was like... He's like, you know, I was, you know, a lot of my pre-militant songs were about girls. A lot of people don't know that. I used so to write nothing but, but, but fucking ghetto love raps so before, uh, before I got all, you know, before I got all crazy and, and, and black boots and black gloves and fist in the air, you know, so, I, you know, so. I I'm, did that. I'm, 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 in a way, I'm glad I, you didn't go the Akinelli route. Nah, nah, nah. I mean, that was a dope record too. Oh no, no, know? no! Don't get me but wrong. That was a great record. Because when that but comes on, you can't. I mean, I remember. I remember when it, when it, when that I wanted. Came to, up. I wanted to be. I wanted to go the other side because that was the first thing that me and Chris it came up with. How can we make it a nasty record or a sexual record without it coming off like Akinelli? Akinelli was about oral sex, but it was about the, you know, the girl giving it to him. And it was, I, I it said, was like, yeah, there was no, there was no, uh, there was no transfer. It was just like, this is it. Yeah. I mean, the title itself. Yeah. I, I, in me, what I did in typical me fashion, I wrote a story about it and the uh, hook, you know, grab my, you know, grab my, grab the back of my head and put my face in it. Slide your thong to the side, and now I'm tasting it. Grab the back of my head and, and put my face in it, because once I'm done, there's no replacing this. You hear that hook, and you and you know I I purposely wanted 
women to be like, oh, he wrote one for us. Finally. <laughs> and have you got that recognition? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember um, when I told someone that I wrote a record about something we've been doing, or, or at that point, you know, right before, you know, right before a, a, a split happened, I was just like, look, this is what, this is what's going to be, this is what I'm putting out there, and I want you to know that this is, this is going out there, this is, that's it, it's been decided, we packaged it, we got a cover, we're shooting a video, and, the, and, you know, a lot of people expected a porno when it came time to shoot the video. And I said, no, I got to shoot something totally opposite than a porno. As dirty as the song was, we had to shoot the video a certain way. One, to give it a comical touch. And two, what if somebody comes up to me and says, we want to put this on the air? When I write a single, I write it a certain way because in case there is a video, there's very little... Editing, editing or altering the track as possible. Most people they'll they'll throw a record out and put the and drop the end bombs, which I hate by the way. They'll drop the end bombs fifty times in a verse. You can't shoot around that without hitting the button or muting it or or redoing it and making it sound like less the record than it what, what it was. You got to learn how to be powerful without being explicit. I wanted the video to be that. The song is nasty. That there's no there's no two ways around it. No, there's there's no going around it. You know, but when you have when you have songs like Walking Dead, as powerful as that record is, I don't think I don't think I cursed not one time in that record. No. I don't think that no. Well I mean it goes back. I mean and again, you know, sort of the education that, that, that you have, the, the what's called uh, primary, the um, secondary education is like yeah. high school, right? Yeah. And then primary education is, is is coming out of you know paradise. Yeah. You, you, you know, Professor X. You know, yeah, I um, want it. I want when I write records like that, like Walking Dead. That's basically my dedication to them, especially the ones that passed on. You know, like coming from, you know, I mean, coming like, from that era and, and, and coming from that influence and the teachings that, that you receive, you know, you know through that clan. Yeah, because certain records that I write is basically, you know, saying. And that's, well, you know, I wish, you know, granted, you know, PX has been gone a long time. My brother's been gone a long time. I basically lost both of them the same year. Damn. You know? Yeah. Um, my Professor X died in spring of 2006. I, at that point, I hadn't seen him for such a long time. You know, that it kind of bothered me because, you know, you know, sometimes when groups or factions break up, sometimes it's cool, sometimes it's not cool. You know, sometimes things just happen. And it basically is one of those experiences where life happened and you wish you can go back and, and, and 
and just be like, you know, it's all love, you know? And I think one of the, the, the one of my personal hip hop moments was the first time Professor X heard me run because he didn't know. He didn't know. Paradise, I was I, Not that it was kept a secret, but he had so much on his plate. You know, he the first time that he ever heard me run was inside of the California club. And we're going back a long time now. And I remember clear as day. It was Professor X, Paradise, YZ, Lord Bless. Um, my DJ at the time, El Logic. And a couple other, a couple other guys, and all of a sudden, um, you hear you hear like a beat going on. Actually, actually, it's the instrumental to "Kill a Man" by Cypress Hill. Uh huh. Yes. Right. So I'm banging my head, and Paradise noticed, and then he was like, "Go ahead, go ahead, say something, say something." Professor X is looking at Paradise like, "What do you mean, say something?" And then all of a sudden, I start rhyming. His eyes literally bugged out of his head and he looked at Paradise. He says, you kept this a secret from me, brother? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I'm rhyming and then everyone's nodding their heads and you see YZ like, yeah. You know, YZ at the time, he had these long dreads and you see, you know, he's bobbing back and forth and everybody's bobbing back and forth and they're like, you didn't know so many can spit? You didn't know so many can run? And then all of a sudden, pow. You know, and it was, it was, it was a moment because, you know, as soon as I finished rhyming, Professor X comes in and he goes, cause he's a soul man. And that was a moment that I will never, ever, ever forget. That is a beautiful moment. You know, I was 19 years old. Here I am with, 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 you know, with. And then all of a sudden, he put his arm around me, and he was like, we have all of eternity to work together. And sadly, that never got to happen. That pretty much broke my fucking heart. And I remember when I got the day that I got the call, I was getting back into music because I stepped away for a few years. And... And one moment that I remember was that moment at the California club after I, I got the phone call that, you know, um, go check on, you know, I got a phone call from Florida, actually. And they said, we heard something happen to PX, Professor X. And they said, um, so I went online and I, you know, looked it up and they said he had died the night before and it kind of just fucked me up. You know, because then my mind went back to that night at the California club. And I was just thinking about, you know, what he had said to me that night and how much it meant to me. You know, because when we were on the road, there wasn't a lot of money, but they made sure that we ate. They made sure that we got home safe. They made sure that we had a little bit of money in our pocket to go home to, you know, to go home with. And, um, you know, I thought about the whole soul man thing, the way he was saying it. And I was like, damn, I wish there was fucking cam-. You know, you wish there were cameras like, you know, the way everyone's so quick to film something now. Yeah. I wish we had that back then. But, see, I would, I would say that the fact that it's not there and he didn't have that. And the memory is so 
The memory I I remember vivid, man. I mean, mean, you're right there. I see you right now. You're right there. Film. I mean, put it this way: film a movie about my life. That moment has to be in that movie. That's it. Yeah, that's, you, you film you film film a movie about my life. That moment will have to be that that night will have to be in there, you know. And um, so, when you write like this, this feeling that there, there's there, there's a definite feeling here right now, right? Um, <clears throat> there's like some nostalgia. There's some there's some pain and there's loss. Like. When you're writing, it's, are you tapping into that? Yeah, thing? yeah, all the time. All the time. When I write certain records, depending on what the record is about, you go back to uh, you go back to um, certain highlights, and you bring back certain you bring back certain things because you want people to feel an emotion when they hear certain lines. Like, there's this one song on the album, the new album, called Cigarette. And I talk about my brother. And basically, there was one thing where I told him, I'll tell you right now what it is. Because it, it, it really, it stood out. <clears throat> and, um... As far as my brother goes, because that's like, I mean, that's like, there is no bigger influence on a deep record than losing a sibling, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I, I broke down the verse and I wrote, um, I have myself some regrets going back my brother's death. Hearts broke, last we spoke, angry words were only said. Weeks passed, I got the call. I was told that he was gone. A picture of the three of us was by his side as he passed on. Home alone that first night, broken down, could only cry. Last time I saw him laugh at my place still fills my mind. Moments and memories, the only things that I have left. As we clashed, both stood mad, looking back with pure regret. Spend a lifetime moving on. People say that he is gone. True to form, but there's a storm in my heart that rages on. He always pushed to keep it deep as he as if he knew that people sleep, need to wake before the fate and watch the world of his week. For my style, I give him credit. Plus his loss only strengthened. My belief when poets speak, you never know who will listen. And every day that passes by, I pray his soul is now at peace because every so often, I swear I feel him next to me. That's from a song called Cigarette. And I gave him that verse because when I was writing that song, I was thinking about some, you know, some just, it was just, it was just the dark, that was just feeling dark that day. So I said, you know what? Let me, you know, take that, that, that anger or that dark feeling that I had and let me just put something personal behind it, you know? And, um, because I was just thinking about him that one day, and I was th- thinking about you know the, the the track for cigarette, and and I just wanted to get that off my chest, you know. So it's like certain songs or certain beats when you want to tell a certain story, you have to tap into that, 
You know, you got to tap into that. Uh, you know, when it when it when something hits you and hurts you, you wanna you wanna put that pain out there, not to hurt somebody else, but to put people on that. Yo, you know, I feel what you're saying. I feel your loss too. I've been there. This is what happened to me. You know, it's just basically sharing vibes, share, sharing experience. You know, same way, you know, going back to like tasty love and sharing pleasure. Right. So songs like Cigarette, you're sharing pain. Songs like Walking Dead, you're sharing knowledge. You know, it's basically us showing and sharing as artists with those who don't know, those who do know, those who want to know. And, and, and so, you know, when you're writing, you're in a place where, you know, yeah, it all depends. It all depends on the track, you know, because like if the beat is hitting you a certain way, you're going to write a certain way. The beat basically you as a rapper, you always run and you rhyme over the beat. The beat guides you. The beat's going to dictate your flow, whether you're coming off with an angry flow, a mellow flow. You know, the beat speaks to you. You know, and when the beat speaks to me, however, whatever speed, sound, or story that that thing is telling me to write, I'm going to write it. You know, you can't take a, you can't write a love song over a club beat. You know, I mean, you can, it'll be a cheesy one, but I mean, if you're a serious writer, you can't write nothing. And you're a serious writer. Yeah, I take writing very seriously. Very serious. I'm so serious about it. I've had relationships end because of it. Because it's like, you know, not so much because, oh, you're a 42-year-old. No, I'm not a 42-year-old who wants to do this and get paid off of this now. I'm a 42-year-old rapper, 42 rapper who grew up doing this from the age of 16. This has been in my blood my entire life. I didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to put an album out. Didn't happen that way. Could you... Could you walk away? Is it something you feel that you could walk away from? Because you said you've tried. I've tried, you know. I've tried, but, you know, it's like... It's, it's pretty much who you are. It's pretty much who I am. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I can still be lost soul... You know, drop the occasional song, you know, or, or even, you know, take a couple of songs and just put them out there. You know, here, go download this. Or, or, or you know, you like it that much, yo, cop it for X amount of dollars. You know, there's always going to, that artist is always going to be in you. You know what I'm saying? Look, you have your favorite rappers from back in the day still touring now. Yeah. Nicest Move just came back from Japan. You know, nice and smooth. Hip-hop junkies. No bones and ice cream. I I have I'm friends with, with Smoothie on, on, on Facebook and it is good to see people who I looked up to at the beginning still doing doing what they love. This is what I love to do. This this pretty much defines who I am. I'm a writer. I'm always gonna be a writer before a rapper. I can write and write and write and save it all and save it all and save it all, you know, putting some of it out there 
keeping the rest, maybe making some of it a book, because a lot of people have been pushing me about a book lately, you know, and, um... Let's, let's take that, let's go, let's take the sideline. Yeah. If you, if you were to do a book, what would it be? What would, what would be your story? My story is if I was to do a book. Basically a kid... Basically a kid who who who's, who who wanted to stand out and 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 help by using his words. Okay. You know, like. So it'd be like a narrative based loosely on. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, you know, in I way, can, in the way I can that talk about stories that we write are based on our experiences. Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of hip hop moments. I would love to put out there. You know, not just the Professor X moments, you know. Um No. That that was that was a that was a hell of a that was a hell of a moment because moments, was, moments, moments that are special that Yeah. There's that, a lot of you know, I remember the first time I remember the first time my mom was in the audience uh-huh. and I was on stage break dancing for the first time. And the the shock look she had in my face when people stood up just to see me because they knew how nice I was. When her, when when you know when her chubby little boy got in front, you know, came out from behind the line and, and danced in the middle of that spotlight, you know, moments like that. You, you know, you don't have a lot. You know, some people some people never get to have that. Right. You know. So it's just like if I was to write a book. I will basically share those moments from like, like literally from childhood to now, or even or even the first time that I saw myself on Video Music Box. That alone was a moment, you know, because I was like, I get a phone call, and all of a sudden, you're on Video Music Box. Really? I turn it on, and there I am. First video. We don't play. My first. So my first video on Video Music Box, and I was like, you know, it was almost near the end of the video, you know, I'm the last one rhyming on the song, and it was like one something in the morning, and I was just like, wow, holy shit, not YouTube, but Video Fucking Music Box, Ralph McDaniels. Somebody who I've known since I was 17. You know? Put me on. Yeah, put me on. He told me. He was like, he has seen the video. He reached out to me. He says, I need a clean version of that now. And I wind up meeting him in the city. Actually, met him at a bar in the city. He was coming from filming somewhere else. I had waited for him, I don't know, about an hour and a half, almost two hours. And I'm sitting in this in this club. Everyone's having a nice time. I'm sitting there with a DVD in my hand just waiting for him. Forget the party that's going on. I'm here to, yo. Get, you wanted this video. Here you go. You know? And he gave me the video. He says, yo, we're going to get it on to you. I'm going to let you know when it's coming on. And I was like, Ralph, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
I waited for this moment since I was 18 years old. Video music box. And right there, it was just like... Then the second time I saw the replay of that episode, I got to see the whole video. But it won't be... The, there's nothing beating the first time. There's nothing beating the first time. It was like the first time I heard myself on the radio. Like, the first time I heard myself on Hot 97. Um, there was a song that I did um, back in the, the mid-90s. It was a song called Dark Days. And basically, we took the bass line over the omen, put a drum track on top of it. There's some drops to separate the verse from the hook. My man did the hook. I did the verse. And I'm basically talking about um, the coming the, the coming of the Antichrist and what it's going to mean to, to, to hip-hop at that time. It was it, that record was so light years ahead of his time, and I think that's another problem I had on the business end of it. I always caught that label. I always got that label where I was. I was always called years ahead of my time. You know, because of the shit that I was talking about. Um, Things I rhymed about. I had, matter of fact, I cashed in a favor and tried to get Walking Dead on a certain radio station. The same radio station that played Dark Days, the first time I got, was heard on the radio. And I was basically told that it was too strong for the airwaves. Walking Dead was deemed too strong. Wow. For New York radio. New York radio, New York, where it all started. Yeah, but listen to New York radio now, man. Exactly. I was deemed too strong for the air. And meanwhile, this was the same radio station that played all my early 90s shit. And I was I was deep back then, too. Dark Days was a deep record. You know, if I can find if I can find a decent copy to it. I'll put it on the internet and let the world decide. What's deeper, Dark Days or Walking Dead? I think you need to do that. I would love to do that record again. Um, this was like hip-hop, because this was, we're talking about going into the year 2000 back in 1996. This is when we wrote the record. We wrote it in 96, and we're talking about the whole Y2K thing back then, four years yeah. before, and the coming of the Antichrist, and because that's, that's where everybody was was worried about back then. Y2K, the, the 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 depth of this and that, and you know it was like a post-apocalyptic setting, but in a hip hop version. You know, Redman was was kidnapped and taken to concentration camps. Uh, Karis One was assassinated. I mean, the song literally hit was. Was saying shit. I was literally now, saying, <clears throat> lyrically saying shit like that back then. You would have to find that. I because <laughs> it would be a beautiful bookend. Dark days and Walking Dead, right? I was ninety six, and here we are in two thousand fourteen. Come on, man, it make was, that happen. I gotta. I, if make I can, happen. I gotta. I gotta find it because, and we were we were calling people culture vultures back then. Mm. 
And meanwhile, Hot 97 played it. There was a show that a lot of these, matter of fact, all these radio stations used to have them. They took time and dedicated time on certain nights at certain times to people, unsigned artists. And a lot of record companies were not trying to fuck with me because I was some on some post-apocalyptic, semi-suicidal shit. But then when people started putting out horrorcore, I'm, scre- I'm screaming copyright infringement. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. You motherfuckers. Hypocritical sons of bitches. Y'all putting out horrorcore rap? Horrorcore rap? And meanwhile, I give you the recipe to the shit? Are you fucking kidding me? What would you do differently now? Now? Knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? Knowing what I know now, I probably would have had... I think if I was writing the stuff that I'm writing now back then, when, when, when the whole conscious movement was at its peak... I, who knows? It, it would have been a different story. It would have been a different outcome. I would have landed several deals, honestly, because people always told me I was that good. I always knew deep down inside I was the anti-hero. You know, I was the the, the antagonist. I was the, the Mr. Fuck You Man. You know, the fat guy with the fuck you T-shirt on, as you know they would say. I think now. I think if I was doing what I think if I was doing now what I was doing back then. You know, doing now back then. It would have been a different outcome. My mother, my mother would have, my, both my parents would have had houses. So. Because I know it would have sold. It would have sold. Um, and now, the fu- your, your, your future as an entertainer, or as a rapper. Now? As, as a maker of hip-hop culture. I want to help younger dudes. I want to help younger people who actually appreciate and respect what this really is. You know? Not so much the rap game, but hip-hop as a whole. You know, this is something that needs to be remembered. This is something that needs to be helped, saved, as you will. Um, This is something that now people our age who are parents of children, hip hop is one of the few musical genres where where parents and kids listen to the same records. You know, well, some of the same records. I'm not gonna say all of them, but if kids really want to know and appreciate and respect where it came from, if their parents won't show them, fuck it, I will. You know, some of us older artists do that. Some of us older artists, look, I have people, I have younger artists come to me all the time, hit me up on, a, on the inbox. What do you think of this? What should I do here? What, what, what about this? What about that? And um, my thing is, you know, and I tell them, you know, any advice that a younger artist, usually when a, when a younger artist steps to me and tells me, um, I want to do this too. 
What can you tell me about? You know, what do I need to know? My answer to all of them, every single one of them, is don't be the next 50. Don't be the next J. Everyone sets up themselves to be the next so-and-so. You can't do it. Be the first you. Be the next, be the first, I don't know, uh, whatever your name is, you know, be the first you. People will always respect you as an individual than a copycat. The rap game is basically, people will always respect an individual who's being original than someone who's trying to be like the next Fabulous or the next Jadakiss or the next this one, the next that one. You know, I always tell people, be the first you. Don't be like this one. Oh, but I, li- I like how you do this. I want to I do it like you. Don't. Don't do it like me. Don't. Don't. You don't have the pain or the stripes to even go there. Develop your own thing. Tell your Develop own your own thing. And be fucking humble. When somebody sets you aside and they tell you, you need stronger delivery, you need tighter flow, you need better artwork, invest in yourself. Stop looking for free shit. Stop looking for a free ride. I didn't have a free ride. I had to pay my fucking dues. I'm still paying my dues. Most important, and the most important thing you can do, you, as, as an elder statesman of hip-hop, the most important you, thing you can do is to drop these little kernels of knowledge. Yeah. And wisdom. Yeah. All, you you know, like just just tell them, like, look, you need beats. This is who you know, to, this is who you need to go see. This is how much you need to have. Hit the man up, tell him I sent you. Same thing with videos. You need a video, you have X amount of dollars, you're on a budget. I know someone will get you a decent video for a decent price. This is who you know, this is who you need to go see. Tell him I sent you. When you have done this as long as I've done this, you build relationships with people. Relationships that I guard with my life. I don't send just anybody anywhere, nor do I put my stamp on someone's ass like that. You gotta be literally special. Lyrically, you gotta be like, you literally have to stand out. You have to be the one in 100. You know, for me to, to for me to to, to 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 say, yo, we need to we need to hook this kid up somehow. Let's mess with this kid. Let's work with this kid. You know, for me to say, let's put a package together for this kid. He's got he's got it. Put something together that he can shop himself online and get himself a nice little buzz. A lot of people don't want to pay dues. That's the fucking problem today with the young artists. They don't want to pay dues. They want to record over everybody else's shit and put it out there for free as if it was their own and then try to then try to catch a free ride and try to say, well, you know, how come I can't get this for free or how come you just can't hook me up? Motherfucker, ain't nobody hooked me up. I paid for beats. 
like everybody else. I pay for videos. Just because I don't pay full price for certain things, we got to remember, it goes back to having a strong relationship with people. One hand washes the other, two hands wash the face. And for years, I've, you know, I've shot people around. I've looked out for people. I've done this. I've done that. In return, I get this, 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 and this. Just because you're getting a discount don't mean that you're going to get my discount. And that's where a lot, of, a lot of feelings get hurt. Oh, but you got this for such and such. How come I can't get it for such and such? You're, you're still getting a discount. You got to be willing to invest. You have to invest. You know what I'm saying? You got your money where your mouth is. Exactly. You that good? Money what you just table. said. Money on the table. Put your money where your mouth is. Let's do it. And the thing is, you know, um, there was that bit with Dame Dash, right? We went around a bit. And he, and he, then, you know, Damon Dash is Damon Dash. You listen to the stories. He's the reason why Rockefeller went down. I don't know. I have, I wasn't there. Yeah, I wasn't I there. Care. But you know? what I do like is something that kind of, and it's a clip that's been following up, that's been going all over the, uh, the internet, Facebook. And that's when he says, like, you know what? I believe in something. I put my money. Yep. If you really believe in it, you put your money because you control Everything. Yep. And in this particular case where you're talking about is because you do you I mean, alright, so I'm on the other end, right? When it when it in terms of uh you know, doing independent comics and and, and deliberately choosing to do independent comics, right? Mm-hmm. Um they see you, like folks see that, you know, they come by the table and they see like a nice spread and there's there's books that we're selling and it appears that, you know, well, We've got the keys to the kingdom, and you know, because like I, I found it and I run Rat and Roll in your studios with my boys, and we're mm-hmm. putting out product comics, right? That like there's you, you know there's like this magic formula, and you, you know you know they they want all this help, and they want you know, like well can you publish my book? I've got this idea, it's a great idea, and and truthfully nine out of ten times it's really not a great idea. Mm-hmm. It's something it's something that that's been done before. Yeah, nine out of ten times. You know, they're just not ready. Mm-hmm. It's not to say that they don't have talent. They're just not ready. They're not there yet. You know? And the thing is, um, but when you're young, and unfortunately sometimes when you're older, you don't see that. Because you're, 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 you're too close. And it's like, here's my work. Like, this is great. Publish me. Or how mm-hmm. do I get published? And a lot of what I tell them is, the way the market is, the way it is these days, Independent films, independent comics, you know, to independent music production, you gotta put it up. Yep. And and not for nothing, you gotta believe in yourself. You have to. Cash on the table. Yep. And and who are the guys that that actually created that model? Thirty six chambers of death. Yep. It's true. They put their money down, like you know, like uh, you know, we could hustle and probably end up being dead or in jail, or we could take our money from the hustle. Put it in ourselves in this thing. Invested. And yeah. and thirty six chambers of death came out. It changed the it, it, it changed the scene and it changed their world. Yeah, it changed the mold. It changed it how ch- it changed how for it to, for it to get done. You know, it changed a lot of things. And um, and for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're referring we're talking to about Wu Tang into the thirty six chambers first album. One of the classic classic. Yeah, I mean just. Everything about it is so um, well put together. 
when it comes when it comes to putting out, you have to, you know, look certain websites, music websites, they'll help you get a they'll help you put a a, a website together. They'll help you put an EPK together. Take advantage of shit like that. Digital distribution. Take advantage of shit like that. You what know? are some of the sites that they can look at? SoundCloud, uh, Reverb Nation, Banzoogle. If you want to make a, a an artist website with like a music player, a video player, you know, Bandcamp is great for 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 putting you know shopping your stuff around. Um, Banzoogle is great for 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 websites, music websites. Um, you know, I pay the money. I pay it every month. I pay the I pay the twenty dollars a month. Put the website out there. You buy the stuff from there. You, you know, you got to make yourself a brand. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have a friend who does graphics. Ask them; they'll make you a logo. Put your shit on a T-shirt and, and sell it. Twenty dollars. You know what I'm saying? If they sells, it sells. If it don't, it don't. But you push it. You at least you don't go to your grave a better person saying. I could have, I should have, I wish I did. No. I'm the street card named as that. I could have been a, tent- a contender. Yeah. could have done it. Yeah. No. No. I'm going to mind saying I tried to be world famous, but I got so far, but I'm good with it because when you look back, I got product. When you I look did. back, I got merch. When you look back, I, I traveled around the country without joining the fucking military. All before the age of 21. Or as I like to say for my favorite show in the 90s, the X-Files. Like, after every show, after every episode ended, the the the, the, um, the title credits for the production company, with Chris Carter's production company would flick up, and like 10, 13, you have a little kid go, I made that. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. You made it. You made, yeah, you you did it. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you dare to be different. You dare, you know... I, you dare to think outside the box. You dare to, to go against the grain. That's what I want to be remembered as. I remember it as the guy who who purposely went against the trends. The one who purposely said, that's bullshit. There's more important things going on. The one who not only spoke it, but did it. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like... Yeah, you know, I when it see videos for me is getting harder to do because I've already done eight of them and each one was different than the last one. How that you know, and now if I do number nine, I will have to go look back at the other eight and see what I didn't do already. You know, you want to come off different every time. Not everybody wants to do that. Not everybody wants to go through that trouble. You know. Well, you know, everyone wants like everybody wants to everybody wants to have their cake and eat it too. But you know what? You got to go to the store to buy the milk, the flour, the the the, the Duncan Hines, the frosting, and you know, and you basically got to learn how to make a cake before you you know before you can even eat it, let alone have it too. And sometimes you bake the cake, and you know, you got an audience. You bake the cake, you don't even get the slice. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it is sometimes. That's the way it is. And more times than not, you know, you're, you're, you're putting out all this effort. There's time and there's effort and you're not seeing a net result. And the thing is you got to be able to tell yourself that, you know what, I'm not going to see money from this. I'm not going to see money from this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll, down the road, 
you are going to benefit, like you're saying, you will benefit in ways that you never really envisioned that you would benefit. Because whether you know it or not, I was always watching. Yeah. Always, yeah, there's always, always, there's always looking always at what somebody you're doing watching. and listening. And I don't mean this from like a conspiratory, like, you know, No, just people who you don't would think are watching you online or watching you. And paying you know attention. What I'm like, or paying well, attention. Let's, let's see what this guy's doing. Let's see. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and the thing is. Even if it's somebody who you don't talk to on a regular. Even if it's someone you don't know. Yeah. Some guy, I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times and like, see, you know, I go, because I'm pretty sure you have. LinkedIn, right? I can't say the amount of times that I've got a very weird resume. This isn't about me. But I go to LinkedIn and I'll see, like, you know, the, the folks who, like, checked out my my, 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 um, my resume, my profile. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I know who you are. Why do you know who I am? Mm-hmm. What's going on with that? Mm-hmm. All right, people are paying attention. I need... So it's good, and I realize people are paying attention, and it's all right. Or once in a while, like you, you know, someone like I'll get hit up on Facebook or by a private email, like see what you're doing. I like it, mm-hmm. or I'll be at a convention for. Well, look, there's people, by, so you, there's people who who we've come up with, you know, back in those those our time, who we went to school with, then you know. You who you barely talked to back then, and you barely talked to online, and all of a sudden, when you as soon as you put something new out, they were one of the first ones to hit that like button. I ain't saying no names, but I'm just saying <laughs> I I know I'm being watched. I I know that you know even people who look that one time we whatever had, that's coming from, whether it's like sort of whatever point, yeah, whatever perspective, yeah, we will vote it. As long as long look, whether it be a new song. Or a poem that that's, that's that's posted, or or just a random thought that'd be like, damn, people are watching. It's good. I like that people are watching. Keep watching. By all means, keep watching. You know. Again, you know, not to have a chip on my shoulder and not to to stand on a box, but I have put out a lot of product in such a, in a short time. Quality. It just quality product. Quality, you know, quality. You know, because you know, quality. You know, not every. You know, I know people who put out something. You know, every six weeks, but you know, it's like, eh, mm. you know what I'm saying? Look, I've had people tell. Like, look, uh, I once did three videos in one year. 2012, I did three videos that one year. It was Easter Famine, Main Event, Hand in the Dark. All three off of one album. My second album. Three songs, three different beats, same producers, but each one different from the last. You would never know that they were made that same year. Quality. It goes back to quality. You have to have a strong quality control. You have to know, as an artist, you have to have... A lot of artists aren't responsible like that or aren't sensible like that. They just want to do it to do it, get it out there, and that's it. But you don't want to be like the other 9.7 million dudes who are doing it. You want to be one of the three or four... That people are going to remember 
whether it be on a grand scale or within small circles, for being the one that stands out. Absolutely. You know? Yes, yeah. Well, this one put out four videos in, in a year. Yeah, but how many of them do you remember? What were they? Oh, you know, but you know, the one with the guns. Yeah, but this one always has guns in this video. Oh, the one, with the, you know, the one with the, with the dancers. Who doesn't dance in their videos? The one guy where you know he was great. He was dressed fly. Yeah, but everyone dresses fly in the videos. And except, you're doing that, you dance. Except me. Except me. I still look. The only thing I haven't done in a video yet is come out in my janitor's uniform. <laughs> and I was actually thinking about doing that next. There's a song in the album called Looking Back. It talks about everything we talked about here today. The story of from then to now. I started as a chubby kid dancing on some cardboard. Um, and then goes on. You know? And that's actually, that's that's still a video. That's still, that's a video I want very much to make. No. It's a throwback video. You know, I name drop. I say names. Um, I mean, I remember that uh, verse that you shared with some of us. Uh, going back. Was like, oh, let me tell I you know what you're talking about. I'm a... Uh, Asphalt Disciples. Yeah, that was for Chris Clark's... Um, yeah, I, I, I have to say, like... Like taking it back to 1980. Yeah, I took. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I took it. I know what you're talking about. I know exactly nerd, what you're talking out, about. Nerding out, and it's just like. I give him a taste. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Yo, my mic check's perfected. I put in perspective for those who offended. Sit back and reflect it before MP3s or even CDs looping beats on tape. The lunchroom at A and D. This is for Silver Hawks and Galaxy Rangers, riding the four trains in everyday danger. Gumbies and flat tops, the Bulls and the Knicks, original Geek Squad, Friday Nights on Kiss. D-Nice promos, Chuck Chellet on the mix, New York Hot Tracks, they don't know about this. B-Boys Worldwide, Dance from the Heart, Rewinded Twice on the Block This Starts, Asphalt Disciples, Killing All Spray Cans. Based on true events, remember the Soul Man. Robotech Masters made way for the Envid. Beatbox is home for the artistically gifted. That's the one yes, you're talking that's about? that's the one I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I'm still, I'm still waiting. Wait. I got a, I got a, I got a raw version to that baby. Oh. <coughs> yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, uh huh. Kung Fu flicks and old style picks. Fat lace pumas. What you know about this? Sunset Saturdays by Pop Play Poker. Can't forget Jackson. He was an everyday joker. Dofie's Grillin and X Men comics. Wolverine posters. Your rocket don't stop it. Asphalt disciples living out my dreams. The tag on the wall was our true reality. Who had a kiss card? Who had a beat tape? Old made samples if there wasn't a DJ. Sway ballet shoes surrounded by rude boys. They're gonna lick shots. They aiming at you, boy. Autobots transform way before movies. Storm had a mohawk, so what were you doing? Video music box, food stands on paper. Remember the season that you caught the vapors. Come man, on, woo! Man, listen. <laughs> what? Oh, no. No, no. No, man. Save the rest of the mix. Don't give no more. Don't give no more away. What? 
Yeah, I remember. Yeah, that's yes. I that's something. Yes. Actually, Chris wanted to make that a video. He want Chris wanted to um. Come on, man, and you gotta convince AD and let you shoot it in the cafeteria, or if nothing else, call together all the shots because everybody got pictures and just toss it in. Toss however, it in. Yeah. however you want to do it, right? I mean, that, that, yeah, because yeah, we wanted to do we wanted to do something where we had like a mini reunion with a bunch of us. And and, and 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 just like have all of us in a circle, just like go, you know, bobbing the head yeah. to the beat, and and just like having the camera go around all of us as I'm telling the story, nice. just us old heads. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So you got to make that happen, man. You know, that's that's an idea that was being thrown thrown out. Um, yeah, so that's that's actually that's actually one too. You know, I mean, the same thing with looking back, looking back on the looking back on the album. The album, there's a song called Looking Back. And that's something that we want to do for... That's something we want to do for a video as well. And just basically the story of how, you know, everything we talked about here today. And, um... Actually, you can, that one you can hear online. Right. That one's online. You know, so... But it, it, was, it was, you know, you want to... You want to preserve it. You know what I'm saying? You want certain stories to be told. You want certain stories to be remembered. Because we're not going to be here forever. You know? This way, when they look back at, 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 a, at, a, at a place in time, they can say, wow, yo, that was still, that's crazy. Yeah, how did he come up with that? You know? So, you just got to be the first Jew, man. Don't be the next so-and-so. That's what I tell everybody. Be the first Jew. You know, word up! Shout out to my tasty love. You know who you are. (laughs) 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 I mean, I had to put that out there. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, here's the thing. Inspired such a great record. (laughs) Lost soul. Yeah. I mean, we got to do this again. We got to sit down and 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 because I mean, this this is great. There's so much to um, for folks to like to sort of listen to and, and unpack, and there's just so much gems that you drop. Right? But it's something I like to do, right? Awesome. And that is your last, last thoughts. Last thoughts. Last thought. Um, basically, give a damn. You know, you know what's going on out there, you know what's wrong. You have a choice either you're part of the problem or you're part of the solution. If you're part of the solution, what is it that you're really doing? You know, that's that's pretty much my last thought because, you know, someday you just don't know the blink of an eye. You can wake up tomorrow and, and everything you know, it, as it is right now, be different. You know, if, if, if you got a beef with somebody and you know it's a stupid beef, by all means, squash that beef. Give a damn. You know, give a damn because not, tomorrow isn't promised. And take it from somebody who knows. You don't. You don't want to. You don't want to live with a with a with a lifetime of regret over something stupid. For not, you know, man up and apologize if you have to, and um, fix what you need to. You know. All right. Well, that's been the. Process podcast. We're definitely gonna have Stephen 
Lost Soul, Santiago back in the mix, yeah, back man. in the cut. Yes, sir. To drop some more wisdoms, talk a little bit more about creativity, and you know, a little bit more in terms of business. We heard both. You know, we heard about the we heard about his um, you know, what drives him, his inspiration. We got a we definitely got a sense of his uh, history, and you know, it was a really good talk. Yeah. Um, and you know, great having you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, for real, that's uh, my pleasure, man. You know, it was yeah. uh, it's yeah. not o- it's not often I get to air it out. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and and you did well, my friend. You know, did well. I, not it's not often I get to air it out. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, it's, it's you know for the for the younger folks out there who are waiting for me to trap it up. I'm gonna tell you once. I'm gonna tell you again. The day that I dumb it down is the day I should pass away. Enough said. All right, and that's it. Last words. Give you know, give a damn. And that's it. That's it. This uh, for this episode of the Process Pack Podcast, where like you said, we go behind the veil and beyond the pale. Until next, we meet. Have a good one. Stay safe. And on reflection of the imagery and the memories evoked by the latter part of this podcast and some of the stories that Steve shared, I'm gonna leave us I'm gonna leave us with a special treat. And it's a track off his new album, Apocalyptic Visions, entitled Looking Back. Okay guys, enjoy. And you know, you know where to find him, Bandcamp, iTunes, you can check out LostSouls.com. Um, you know, you're interested in the album, pick it up. I'm telling you, it does not disappoint. And the writing, it's just solid. Okay, guys, enjoy. I started as a chubby kid, dancing on some cardboard. With the cast on my arm, having toys that transform. Weekends and sunset, I'm off to see my grandma. And Pops can Cadillac, with some new sneakers on. Growing up was crazy, survived the early 80s. Influenced bottom streets at times were deep and scary. Uncles popped in front of us, I wasn't even 10 yet. Grown folks in the kitchen, kids had on the front step. They argued in Spanish, I snuck into the social club. I was just moved by, feeling all this ghetto love. Pedro's taking numbers. Playing pool, most of them were strapped and asked if I'm really good. As soon as they got dark, sinking off to the park to let my pops buying down, he was worse than any cop. Looking back on younger days, reflecting on some hard times. Who would ever thought I put a memory into a rhyme? You see, I'm from Park Slope. Yeah. My family was from Sunset. Yes, we were there so much, you might as well say we lived there. True. That block was so hot, I remember those years well. But then when crack came along, the whole shit went to hell. I started as a chubby kid, be boxing on the corner. For every other rap around the way, that's so often. So many made an offer to put me on the record. But nothing ever happened for the mic I started checking. Started writing rhymes at the time my heart was dying. Used to read.
read her verses and she said to keep trying. The year that she died, I was going to a famous school. Filled up with artists, felt like I was paying dues. Chubby white freaking kid who stepped into a cipher with kids from the Bronx. I got laughed at for trying. Every week coming back, spit at least two new rhymes. They all call me soul man. Be damned if I didn't try. When Yusef was killed, they was changing the air. The way that we rhyme, showing off, disappeared. I just didn't feel the same. Those were some crazy days. Then I met Paradise Professor X and Brother J. Man, the golden era was changing. Yes, it was. Right before my eyes. Young gold chains became medallions. It was like awakening of the mind. Wait, I was offered a place to call home and to really belong. Yes. I was 17, confused, physically bruised. Still went on. Yes, I did. I got to see places and struggles you never see on the news. So true. Except in a three-second clip. That's where I learned to pay dues. I started as a chubby kid, trying to find my way in life. I was almost grown and still dreaming of the mic. I was learning lessons, way too late night sessions. Student of a movement, still had lots of questions. Then I went my own way and I chose another path. Never lost my love for them. Some years were really bad. Why's he always looked out? Juice and I made our own. With the vine, rest in peace. Last supper was our home. Looking back, first time I was on the radio. I 97 played a cut off my first demo. Sent into my song, shouted out my promo pick, gun pointed at my dog. Cause it wasn't loaded, too drunk to see how wrong. Summer full of airplay, close to getting signed on. Life brings out a path that you would never expect to battle. I put the mic down for a bit, it got to the point where words travel. All this was before online, this, Facebook, Instagram, that. Like, yeah, before YouTube, dude, you had to be nice like that. The game has changed, the old rules are gone. Some vets are upset because a lot of garbage gets put on. Once upon a time in Brooklyn.